This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everybody? Let's do this. Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. Got a great show coming up today. We are going to get into the latest around the Canadian Football League with Derek Taylor. One province over, voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and of course, host of the Sports Cage in Regina. And then a little later on, Jamie Thomas from Jets TV is going to pop by. <clears throat> we'll get JT's take on the Jets offseason so far, a little look ahead to training camp. And then we'll transition from the Jets to a little NFL and fantasy football talk with Jamie because I, I, I know a lot of people that are really fired up for the beginning of the hockey season. Uh, I don't know as many people that are fired up for fantasy season as much as Jamie Thomas. And he and, of course, my pal Andy Mack are involved in this crypto fantasy league that I'm obsessed with learning more about. Dustin Nielsen is a GM in the league. Stamkos bought a team. Mike Vick and Chris Carter bought a team. And some of the money is involved. So anyways, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. We will get to all the Jets topics first. And then we'll stick around for a little fun talk as we get ready for uh, for draft season with the NFL just around the corner. As always, big shout out to our wonderful family of sponsors, including Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Boston Pizza, Not Autocorp, Paramount Services Limited, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and Cool Bet Canada. Let's uh, get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Remo, what uh, what's going on? How are you today? Yes, uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, staying uh, staying dry and staying warm. I'm wearing pants, long sleeves. Uh, this this weather it sucks. Makes you think that summer's over. Hopefully it heats up soon. But I know we asked for rain. We were just bitching like all last two months. Where's the rain? It's so dry. The Everyone needs this rain, and I think it's just been dumping nonstop since uh, Friday night. So uh, hopefully it clears up. But yeah, it's uh, it's wet out there, man. Get your rain boots on. Yeah, um, you know I think the the province needed it, but yeah, it is a little gloomy right now. Though the the summer has been just glorious when it comes to sunshine and heat. We could have used a little bit more rain, but uh, but here we are. I mean, heck, people wanted rain. They got rain. They're upset about it. Um, People wanted masks. They got masks again. And uh, some people are upset about it. It's uh, the world we live in right now, Reem. We just got to continue on going forward with what we're doing and uh, uh, laugh about some of the things. Although I will say, um, you know, just, you know, breaking in the last hour or so, um, Manitoba has um, kind of reinstituted mask mandates indoors, a pretty wide sweeping thing, which... Um, Hey, whatever. I mean, I hate masks. I'm done with it. I got vaccinated. I do not want to wear them anymore, but I understand why we're doing it. So we'll suck it up for a while longer and uh, hopefully continue the progress that we're making here in Manitoba, as opposed to a lot of other places that haven't had the vaccine uptake. I'm going to take a big dub, Huss. I saw all these places in the last month putting masks on sale, like traded players after the deadline. Masks are back. So uh, I guess I just got a great deal <laughs> on the ones that I purchased. Uh... A couple weeks ago, so yeah, there Remus, you go. Uh, another up. M. Remus approved deal: a three yeah. pack of Juventus soccer masks yes. on Amazon for what three fifty? How is the mask collection? I'll be honest, yeah. I got that one New Era Chiefs uh, mask from Royal, and that's the only one. I do have a Saturday Sunday night's main event mask that Jason Agnew sent me 
uh, back at the old station before we got booted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have that. That's sort of the backup, but I have yet to lose my Chiefs mask, which I'm actually quite surprised and personally yeah. proud about that. Small victories. I've lost one. I got a collection of Bauer masks. I got two Bowers. I got a three three pack of level wear masks, which I've heard are the most comfortable to wear. But I lost one of those, and now I just bought three Adidas ones. So yeah, I'm here for I'm here for discussing mask collections. It's <laughs> starting to rival my hat collection here now. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> hey, well, never mind masks. Let's talk about hats for a minute. <clears throat> we announced yesterday that we had uh, had got our new era shipment of the limited limited edition collab we did with the guys at Royal Sports. Remo was wearing the snapback right now, and have to give a big thank you to uh, so many people that jumped on that right away. Um, you know, two of our, you know, hardcores in the chat every day, two of my favorites, Taylor Ewell and Jeff Kabilis. I know ripped down to Royal afterwards. Kabilis said that he was going to fast and furious it as soon as he was off work. Uh, and I know they picked them up. I uh, got a couple other messages from people that have popped by Royal Sports to grab them. Um, and Rima, I know we've had uh, some folks that have already ordered online and picked up as well. So um, we didn't have a lot of these. I uh, wasn't maybe expecting the reaction and the action from people so quickly on it. But I got to tell you, it has been uh, it's been phenomenal to see. And it's certainly getting us excited about maybe some of the things that we can do going forward. Um, if you're watching on YouTube right now and you missed it, you can see that screen Remus has up. Uh, that is, you can go to winnipegsports.talk.com, click on store, and check out the uh, out the lids. I'm a snapback guy. I know we moved a bunch of the dad hats as well, and we only had a few dozen of each, so there wasn't a ton of them. So if you did want to get one, um, pop down to Royal today or tomorrow if you can before they're out there, or you can get onto the website at winnipegsports.com. But uh, uh, just a little thank you to everyone for jumping on. I mean, obviously, it means a lot to us that you guys support us the way that you have done, and uh uh, we've been seeing some of the shirts and hoodies out in the community, and uh, now these hats. Um, I mean, they turned out so great. We're both hat guys, Reem, and uh, I got to thank Greg and the, the gang over at New Era for coming up and uh, just absolutely nailing this. And uh, everyone that's had them so far has been really, really pleased with them. So um, overall, it was a great launch yesterday, and uh, we're very appreciative to everyone that's cop one. Yeah, they're they're great, and thanks everyone. We had didn't and we did have people from out of province order them on our website. So shout out to. Uh you know, whoever did that. So, um, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone. And it was very cool for me as a, someone who's collected these to be able to put put input on each individual component. Uh, like the underbill, really important. Got to have a good color underbill, huh? So that's, that's well, the thing. underbill. I'll yeah. bury Horowitz myself for uh, yeah. getting the gray, uh, the gray snap yeah, on here. the snapback. The that absolutely, you See, know, the, the there color. You go. It just pops. It just pops. Yeah. So um, anyways, uh, it, it's all good. And there's Jeff. My hat collection thanks you, LOL. Um, yeah, we will have some Jets talk. As I said, Jamie Thomas is coming up in about uh, about half an hour or so, a um, little bit later on than that. Although, to be honest, as much as I think everyone knows on this show that, I mean, that's what we love to do more than anything, talk Jets. There's not a lot going on right now with the Winnipeg Jets remus. In fact, hockey in general is a very, mm. very quiet scene. And we had to expect that. Um, there was going to be a flurry of activity heading into the expansion draft and free agency. Um, and at some point, things will quiet down. It's a much shorter period of time this year into August. But you know, all the big deals were made right now. I think if you're a free agent in the National Hockey League, you are 
hoping that your phone rings uh, with a better offer than you've had so far that you haven't signed. And, you know, I think the Svechnikov signing is fascinating with the Jets and that they signed with the, um, you know, with the Moose um, and will be on some sort of, I guess, a PTO with the Winnipeg Jets. And presumably he fits in with the club. uh, And I would imagine a new contract is signed, but that could actually happen due to cap reasons, potentially after the first day of the season. Um, so honestly, it is going to be quite quiet right now. Although, um, you know, we'll go over all the moves with Jamie Thomas, really looking forward to getting his impact and, you know, getting a little bit of sense of the excitement around the building downtown as, um, not only we've had, you know, big additions on the blue line that we've talked about extensively here, but, you know, also fans coming back in the building and, you know, it's kind of interesting that we're talking about fans back in the building here. Uh, we've sort of known what the situation here is in Winnipeg and, for a while and for all the heat that you know the provincial government has taken and at times people give the jets and true north uh, they honestly look like the leaders in all of this um you know winnipeg manitoba the first place to establish that you know you can go to games but you're going to need to be fully vaccinated we've had the qr codes i mean i don't know when i went to that valor game but it was well over a month ago um and in the meantime while we've been filling our stadium and looking forward to a hockey season the rest of the National Hockey League and the Canadian Football League seem to be following suit, Raymond. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, you know, I've mentioned before, I've been doing, um, you know, shifts for the last few months uh, on the big show uh, in Calgary on Sports at 960 with Pat Steinberg and Will Nault. And I was talking to Will yesterday because the news broke that the Calgary Flames were going to be requiring vaccination, uh, proof of vaccination, or a two, I guess, a, a negative test within 48 hours of the game. And the text line, uh, the reports from my pals at 960 said the text line was about as nuclear as you could possibly imagine. And then I touched base with Dusty and LTE this morning in Edmonton as that news was breaking. And it was pretty much the same. So, you know, in a lot of ways, I mean, this whole situation sucked for everybody. Um, But honestly, I think that, you know, we're in about as good of a place as we can be right now here in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. Uh, We've been going to Bomber Games. We've been going to Valor. We've been going to the Gold Eyes. We will be going to the Winnipeg Jets. And a lot of the things that seem so controversial, a lot of other places, for the most part, I think have been accepted here. And um, I'll tell you what, that's, I think, a good thing. Because the less controversy and drama and bullshit we've been dealing with uh, that we can deal with, is much better going forward, um, especially when it comes to trying to fill a building that a team absolutely needs it. And I think the fan base wants to be at it. Yeah, today, I mean, today's, we put a list of topics in for today and it's basically, okay, which teams now are allowing um, fans, but only vaccinated fans. And it's pretty much all the Canadian NHL teams, except for the Senators right now. And I think the Leafs, you can also get in with a negative test. CFL stadiums, right now only Sask, uh, Saskatchewan and Edmonton, um, they're allowing all fans. Every other stadium is fully Vax fans only. And, I mean, we're seeing in the U.S. too, um, the LSU Tigers uh, open uh, to only fully vaccinated fans. And I think Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner as well. So, I think I agree. It looks like the Jets and the Bombers and Winnipeg are definitely leaders. And if you want to hold a large-scale sporting event or a concert, and you want to do it, you know, especially indoors, and you want to do it safely – um, you need to have it only to fully vaccinated fans. And I mean, we'll see see what happens after, you know, September 12th. 
when you know the rules will go into effect in many of these places. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's when uh, that. Oh, in, I think it's like September twelfth for. I think for uh, like BC and stuff it was like September twelfth. Um, Interesting. It, yeah. Interesting. I mean, so, again, these are huge topics, and it sort of sucks that you know the last two years they've always been front and foremost. But I mean, honestly, when we're talking about professional sports, when we're talking about these businesses getting back to full operation or as close as they can be. That's been a big part of it. And I am quite interested to talk to DT. I mean, needless to say, we'll spend most of the time on the West and the Bombers and the Riders. Uh, but I am interested to hear from him because, of course, they had their all-time low attendance um, in Saskatchewan following the first game. And I'm wondering, you know, what the, the feeling is around Regina as to how much that had to do with some people saying, you know what? I mean, we heard that six people got it at the last game. I don't know if I'm that comfortable going there. And, you know, as much as there will be a small minority of people that hate the rules and aren't down with it, I think there's a far greater number of people that wouldn't feel comfortable if those rules weren't in place. And certainly from a from a team's perspective, um, well, certainly here in Manitoba, I don't think anyone's getting the green light to pack anything indoors to 100% if they don't have some clarity as to whether people are vaccinated. So that's sort of where we're at right now. I will, I, I will say this, the um, Patrick Reed, and we'll talk golf a little later on with Tony Fino, um, his business there, he's been in hospital since Friday with bilateral pneumonia. Um, no mention of COVID at all. Um, and the golf media just seemingly puts this out. Oh, yeah, he just happened to come down with bilateral pneumonia, and he's, uh, you know, out for the Northern Trust, going to miss the FedEx Cup playoffs, potentially the Ryder Cup. Uh, but for some reason, uh, there haven't been a lot of questions asked. So anyways, but yeah, you mentioned Jerry Jones, who seems to be going forward as a uh, a voice of reason down in Texas, uh, people coming together to get it done. And... Uh, you mentioned LSU. I mean, I had to laugh. I think we all know that the southern United States is probably, I believe, the least vaccinated area. And those are heavy, heavy red states. And there's a lot of politicization of the entire topic, which is very unfortunate. But in all honesty, I think that the SEC alone, those college teams demanded you have to be vaccinated to go to games. They might be able to end the pandemic themselves in those nine or 10 states uh, because that is religion down there. And if you take SEC football away again from those, a lot of people, I think that will be the one thing that finally and incredibly gets a lot of people to um, maybe decide that they're going to get a shot and then be able to go and live their lives as they want. But uh, crazy times, Reem. It's hard to talk about sports yes. when you're looking at the uh, at the ticker uh, when everything has to do with attending games and what you need to do to get there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a bit of a a bit of a dead zone for uh, you know, especially hockey news. I mean, the top hockey story right now from today, other than the women's, you know, the NHL story. Val Philippula going to Switzerland. That's the top story. And <laughs> we can go through like the unsigned. We can start listing off the unsigned free agents. Like Zach Parisi still hasn't signed. Same with Tuka Rask. I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm surprised. Well, I think about all those. the Islanders, all the like, is Sezikis is still there. Paul oh. Mary, I think, is on that list. Like yeah. Lou Lamorello has What's signed he? all these guys. They just refuse to announce that they've signed them. Oh, yeah, Paul Mary's still on the list. Yeah, you're right, Sezikis. Like ultimate, ultimate Lou Lamorello move. Why is Signs the contracts, yeah. will not tell anyone, doesn't want everyone to know what his cap situation is. Like, Zajac, a, yeah, hasn't a, signed either. Amazing, amazing uh, Lou Lamorello, <laughs> Lou Lamorello move. 
Um, so yeah, uh, as far as the hockey goes, we will have Jamie Thomas. We'll kind of get his thoughts on the entire Winnipeg Jets offseason a little bit later on. And we'll dive into some football stuff with DT Derek Taylor coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, did you happen to see any of Monday Night Football last night, Reem? Saints and Jags? All I saw was uh, my timeline gushing over Jameis Winston. Oh, Jameis. Uh, I mean, the guy... Throw, look, he can throw it deep. He can throw for a lot of yards. He can throw interceptions. Him and uh, what is Callaway now like the hot the end of your fantasy football draft pick if you uh, haven't drafted? Is everyone zeroing in on him? Um, that's I think that's what Twitter was uh, was buzzing and what uh, Trevor Lawrence as well. Urban Meyer gonna start having to get used to losing. Is, is that what we well, take away? <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll t- I couldn't help but watch Trevor Lawrence last night, and it yeah. sort of reminded me of um, David Carr back when he was the first overall pick of the Texans, and he got sacked like 50 times in that first season. I can't remember what, don't quote me on that number, but I believe he set a record for being sacked in a season. I mean, the guy got absolutely killed. And Trevor Lawrence is a very, he's big, but he's a mobile quarterback, and that's a good thing. Because honest to God, Reem, last night, even not against the ones at times against the Saints, Trevor Lawrence was running for his life last night for a good portion of that hockey, uh, that football game. And, you know, it, it's tough enough for a rookie to process the NFL game and get ready to be productive at the next level. Never mind when you've got a couple 350 pound dudes in your face half a second after the ball's into your hand on the snap. Oh, yes. And, you know, we, we were all hyped about Trevor Lawrence. He's got great hair and great uh, college resume. But when you go to the NFL, it's a different story. And when you're on the Jags, also a uh, different story. So that is something to watch. And what was, uh, sorry, I saw one other note from the game for fantasy. It was this uh, Etienne, uh, rookie Travis Etienne, midfoot sprain, likely Uh-oh. to end, end his season. Uh, Adam, Adam Schefter, Adam Schefter just tweeting five minutes ago, Travis Etienne, Undergo surgery, fixed foot, end season. So I guess James Robinson stock. Up. James Robinson was being disrespected throughout yeah. the pre the uh, run up to drafts. The mm. guy had an amazing year last year. Uh, they've also got who else is there? Carlos Hyde is also in the Jags backfield, but that's brutal. Uh, I was in a draft last night, and the guy that spent a pretty high pick on Travis Etienne is probably going to be quite upset. Um, anyways, we'll get, we will talk a little more NFL and fantasy with JT when he joins us a little bit later on. Uh, but we are going to start off with the Canadian Football League. Before we do that, big thanks and a shout out to our newest sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, available at IG Field for the game on Saturday on Sunday excuse me, Sunday night, 6 p.m. against the Calgary Stampeders, along with Jim Beam and Sousa and Northern Keep, um, Canadian Club, Ginger Ale, Pepsi, you got it. And of course, Friday, make sure you are here because with another Bomber Home game, we've got another great Canadian Club prize pack to give away. And Banjo Bowl Week is the week we'll be doing. A, we have an amazing prize from Canadian Club. I will just tease that. So make sure you're with us. But uh, if you're out at your local liquor marts, pick up some of the CC. And definitely, if you're looking for a delicious cocktail, you can get one at IG Field, wherever you were uh, going for a beverage. Um, We talked about it right off the top. The reaction to the Winnipeg Sports Talk hats was amazing yesterday. Thanks, everyone that picked one up. If you haven't already, 
our friends at Royal Sports who teamed up with us on the project have them for you. Not many left, though, considering how many people jumped out after the show to pick them up. Pop down to Royal at 750 Pembina Highway, and you can grab yourself either the snapback or the dad hat. And while you're there, check out the greatest sports store for my money on the planet uh, hockey, soccer, baseball, camping, bikes, they've got it all. And the best selection of licensed merchandise for the National Hockey League, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and a ton of bomber gear and CFL gear as well. One, oh, by the way, they are, I think I mentioned this last week. If you've got a hockey player or two in your uh, family or your life that is looking for work, um, they are definitely looking to expand their hockey department. So if you have somebody that's got a great background in the game that would love to be working with the uh, top flight equipment, they can head down to Royal Sports, put in an application they are looking to add to the team. Um, and of course, a big shout out to our pal Nick and Nicky's at Nick and Nicky DQ Group. Four Dairy Queens, Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's for their amazing support from day number one. Uh, it might It's not as a blizzard day today. I might have to go for a burger a little bit later on, though. I've, I've missed the ultimate grill burger lately. Uh, pick it up. And, of course, if you've got an event coming up, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. You can order that ice cream cake in advance and just pop by quick and easy. Pick it up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. All right. Well, we haven't done our power poll this week because there's been a little bit of a change at the top. It was fun for two weeks saying Bombers, number one, two to nine, everybody else. Uh, but the Bombers are no longer undefeated and the Riders are. We always love chopping it up and talking CFL with our good friend Derek Taylor, host of the Sports Cage and the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who joined us now. DT, what's going on? I, I think this is the perfect setup for Labor Day Banjo Bowl, don't you? This is... The, the Bombers facing some adversity, went on the road to the number three team and lost, and now they have to go to Mosaic Stadium. Hmm. It's good. That's good. Well, it, it certainly is. I mean, I was sort of hoping that we would um, be talking about a battle of undefeated teams by the time we got to Labor Day. But, hey, you know, before we focus in on the Bombers and the Riders, I'm interested in your perspective. You just referred to Toronto as maybe the third best team. How impressed have you been with this new look Argo team that, you know, we knew had a lot of names on it, but weren't really sure how they'd look once uh, the CFL season kicked off. I'm super impressed. One, it's a rookie coach too, right? In Ryan Dinwiddie, that's a big deal. And two, they've had no sacks from Charleston Hughes. You pay all the money for the sack master general uh, and no sacks from Charleston Hughes so far. And Shane Ray's been injured and they've had to balance some stuff. I've been super impressed with this. Their schedule, apart from the Winnipeg game, hasn't been brutal. Uh, like Hamilton's schedule has been brutal, right? Playing the Bombers and playing the uh, the Riders. But, I mean, you can't argue with two and one. And with Hamilton still nicked up, it looks like Toronto, for the time being, is going to run that East Division. Um, they did play Calgary in the opener um, up against was it yep. Bo Levi Mitchell back before he was hurt. And I think at that point, I mean, I certainly expected Calgary, you know, at home with Bo Levi and all these new players, you know, would, would win that game. Um, and then of course they were 0 two and he was out for six weeks and we thought that could be it for the stamps. How impressed <laughs> were, how impressed were you? And what a game. First of all, that game between Calgary and Montreal on Friday had a little bit of everything. I mean, a blown lead by Montreal, a near-blown lead by Calgary, and a one of the more memorable final plays of a game in a CFL, and there's been many of them we've had in a long time. 
Yeah, and that final play to me, that whole final drive to me is just Vernon Adams in a nutshell. I, I've been on record repeatedly saying Vernon Adams is going to have a real regression from whatever the, the median thought of him was last season. I just don't think Vernon is, is particularly accurate with the football. And you really saw it in the final drive, right? He dances around and he keeps the play alive and he steps up in the pocket and then he fires to the end zone, pops it four yards short of a receiver who's open for the touchdown. And then the final play of the game, he throws it to Gina Lewis, who is in the end zone, works his way back to the pylon and Vernon drags him out of the end zone that ball that could not have been caught for a touchdown in any fashion. You go, to me, that is just Vernon Adams at his baseline level. He's an inaccurate passer who is incredibly fun to watch, but ultimately I think his passing inaccuracy is going to be a real problem for him. Uh, Jake Mayer, though, come on. Like, I I had I was hard on the unders for the Calgary Stampeders that game because here's rookie Jake Mayer. I don't know what he's about. 11,000 yards in college doesn't mean a ton when you get to pro football, but he was not afraid of anything. Threw a pick? Nah, let's go throw some more. Whatever. No, he was he was phenomenal. And that final play, for people that didn't see it, as DT d- described, the receiver's coming back <clears throat> in the end zone, gets to the pylon, and the ball is thrown on about the one, one and a half yard line. So he catches it, goes out, but the ball never crosses the, uh, crosses the, the plane of the goal. Is that a touchdown in the NFL? No, it has to cross the plane of the goal in the NFL too, as best I know. E- yeah. Even 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 if the guy is in, because you know you know you can touch you can touch the. It was just it was a really really interesting play, and I got thinking. I'm like I'm trying to think whether the rules are different in the Canadian Football League. We know that ball has to go over. I mean, there's no possession yeah. based on where you're popping in. Um, so it was a wild wild ending. Um, back to the Bomber game for a minute, because I do want to get your thoughts on the Riders, who are looking very good. Uh, Bombers went in 2-0, and and um, I mean, man, the offense wasn't clicking very well. And I mean, very, Nick Arbuckle, I think, showed that, you know, you know, maybe he was hurt at the beginning, but he certainly is the guy. I mean, what were your takeaways from that? We talked a little bit about Toronto. What were your Bomber takeaways from that game going into Calgary on Sunday? As, as so I was I was trying to keep touch with that game as I was prepping for for the Riders game and I was just I was very surprised to see Kolaris's yardage in no way ticking up and then there was zero run game to to help him out right I'm not the biggest proponent of the run game means much of anything but I when I was seeing two carries for five yards for Brady Oliveira I thought oh it's so it's not going real well uh, in the backfield there uh, whatever whatever was happening uh, I kind of expect more from Kolaris. They're, they're trying to reintegrate Darvin Adams, so Kenny Lawler became less of a factor. Those numbers ended up okay. He still ended up hitting his under. Uh, I, I, I'm curious to go back and take a little deeper look at it and just see what it was because in the first two weeks, Winnipeg looked phenomenal, and those, those defensive linemen were just killing everybody in their path. And I would have thought they would have had more, more of a good time against Toronto because Toronto's front is not – the best one there is in the CFL, to put it lightly, their five offensive linemen aren't, I don't know where I'd rank them, but it's middle of the packet at best. So I really thought Winnipeg would be able to prosper a little more. But Nick Arbuckle's just got a little something. He's not the same deep attacking quarterback that McLeod Bethel-Thompson wants to be, but maybe it's that he jives with Ryan Dinwiddie really, really well, and that's why ultimately they got paired up again in Toronto. 
Well, it, it does set up a very interesting matchup on Sunday, considering what happened to the Stamps and the Bombers last season, and of course, what awaits after that, which is Labor Day. Uh, we'll talk about the S, the Elks, excuse me, in a minute, <laughs> and their entire situation. Let's get to the Riders, though. Um, 3-0, and and they've done it in a very interesting way, DT. I mean, I don't know how much you could take from the first half of the game number one, just because of everything that was happening with BC. But I have to admit, I left week one still unsure of what the Riders were because of the fact that they did absolutely nothing in the second half. Um, that did seem like a bit of a mirage, though, because this team has looked very complete over the course of the last couple of football games. They have. Uh, the the question I think that maybe still lingers for me is, much like in 2019, well, who are they doing it against? BC was was troubled and they, they held on for dear life and the Riders win that game. Ottawa, to me, is the ninth best team in the league, so that they beat them by two touchdowns, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, the the Hamilton game, Hamilton is, Hamilton healthy to me is, is going to be the one or two first or second best team in the league. They are anything but healthy, and they were in a bad spot in that game in, in week number two. Van Zyl was back, but he left and he was he was troubled. They hadn't figured out their tackles. Dylan Wynn was gone. Tunde Adelike was gone. Brandon Banks was clearly hurting. They were without their number two and number three receivers, and they'd thrown some new cats in there to see what it was all about. So I, I feel like they caught Hamilton at a very good time in that week 16 when the two teams play again, and may, Hamilton might be a tougher foe. Overall, I thought the Riders would be 2-1 and one at this point, but that was when I thought Hamilton might be at its full strength. So 3-0 and oh is, is, a, is a pretty nice start. It's the best in the league. It, it's still – questions still linger about, ooh, why are they throwing the ball so fast? And why did William Powell have 10 carries for 20 yards uh, against Ottawa? Questions still kind of linger here. Uh, that being said, Cody Fajardo's answering some questions oh. early on in the season. I mean – you know, it's been two years since we played. He had a really good season, but there were some ups and downs, and he still is relatively young quarterback without a huge body of work as a starter. Um, I, I got to say, I mean, he has been, uh, he has looked really, really good so far this season and uh, seems to have actually even taken a step forward from what we remember at the end of 2019. Well, 78% completion rate is, is pretty nice. 30 of 35 in this past game. He's 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 benefited a little bit. I, I have him with three dropped interceptions by defenders so far this season, so that would make his touchdown interception ratio look more like one to one than four to one. But man, that ball is out and that ball is on target. And when it's supposed to be, it's it's great watching him because balls are right where they should be, or there may be a fraction off, or you go, oh, that wasn't one, and then you look at it again and go, actually, he does that to keep the receiver from getting killed. Right, those balls that look like they're not on right where they should be, but ultimately, when you see the whole play, you go, "Oh yeah, no, that's smart that he did that." Uh, he Fajardo is crushing it. No, no, by the way, he's seventh in the league in rushing as well. He is through three games, kind of everything that Riders fans hoped he would as uh, he progresses from 2019. Uh, I'll be I'll be honest. Uh, when I saw the odds at Coolbet and anyone that was listing you know, CFL season props and saw the, you know, Cody Fajardo was the favorite to be the MOP and it was almost a significant favorite. I'm sort of like, is that just because the Riders are such a popular team? They know the Ryder fans will be backing them. There probably is a little bit of that. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if you reset the odds right now or updated them, 
I think it would be even more in the favor of Cody Fajardo, considering it's a 14-game season and the way he started uh, through three games. I'm trying to think of who else even really makes it. Kalaros is, what, six touchdowns to one pick? Kalaros in the mix. I can't. There's no defensive player that stands out. The Riders, Jonathan Woodard, leads the league in sacks with five, but I don't know that he would get any real consideration. Lucky Whitehead fell apart in week, well, got didn't get anything in week three, so you put that away. James Wilder, running back for a team that's one and two. Like right now, it's got to be Fajardo by a mile. Well, maybe not by a mile, but by a significant margin. We'll see, though, uh, if Zach can create some stuff in the next two games against the the Riders, next two for the Riders, what uh, what might be. But it's got to be Fajardo right now, for sure. Yeah, uh, but, you know, it, it is a great side story to that game as much as it's about winning the football game and, you know, finishing first in the Western Division and having that home playoff game to go to the Grey Cup. Uh, that will certainly be a convo that we'll be talking about in and around those two, the head-to-head series between the two clubs. Let me ask you this. It's hard to talk about everything right now without talking about what's happening in the stands and with the virus. Riders sold out their first game, and then the second game was apparently the lowest total that they'd ever had. Now, I know it was a Saturday night game that I believe started at 8, and I heard a lot of people saying, ah, it was tough to you know, get in and do another hotel night and whatnot, but... I have to ask you what you're hearing from people in Saskatchewan and Ryder fans that are your constituency after there was a reported outbreak, I guess, in the pill section. I mean, was the drop-off in attendance some people that are freaked out about being in a building that didn't have a vaccination requirement, or or was it just other things, Derek? Oh, I think it's entirely related to to COVID, and whether it's the vax requirement or not is a different part, but it's I think it's entirely related to COVID. I've Several people, we were talking about this on the radio yesterday, several people in kind of my circle of friends and family that just don't want to go and be around 27,000 other people. They're just not comfortable with it right now. They would love to be at the Riders games because things are going well and it's a party, but it's just uncomfortable. And then when seven teams now have vaccination requirements, and I think we all expect the Elks are going to absolutely do it when they have a breakout within their team itself. We're all kind of waiting on the province of Saskatchewan slash the Riders to go, when When are you going to do it? Because if it's if you're the cheese standing alone, you, you can't make that work. How do you, how do you, how could you possibly withstand the questions when, CBC's the national comes knocking like so eight teams have a vaccination requirement and you guys have chosen not to why is that you really you really want that to be the story so I I fully believe they're gonna follow how big of a story has that been within I mean your talk show not necessarily the writer broadcast itself about that because I mean I can tell you from here uh, in Winnipeg um, you know, the Bombers and Manitoba were sort of ahead of the curve and they did that. They really stepped out front and said, you know what, you're going to be able to go to the game, but this is how it's going to work. And like always, there was a small, very small minority, I think, that, you know, was maybe a little loud about it. Um, mm-hmm. But that went away quite quickly and it has gone well. There hasn't been any reports of anything happening from two well-attended games so far. Um, and it seems like there is a ton of support for that. Uh, and I think that's bringing a lot more people in. Uh, like, was this a very controversial thing? Was it going back and forth? Is it still a topic right now? Or are people just sort of waiting for it to happen because they assume it was going to happen all along? Oh, we spent an hour talking about it yesterday because of the flood of other teams across the country that all that all of a sudden said, nope, we need vaccines. The Ontario teams, Calgary, BC, just before our show, the province of BC said, 
hey, we will require vaccinations if you want to go to these sporting events, including the BC Lions, which technically is an outdoor stadium, but you still need to be vaccinated. So we spent an hour talking about it. And there are both sides of, well, I, I won't go unless there is some sort of vaccine requirement or I'm not comfortable going or if they do, I'm not going to go. We've, we've had a little bit of everything on that front. What The default position has kind of been, well, if they do this, they're going to lose fans. And I think, okay, there may be some of that. There may be some vaccinated people, unvaccinated people, pardon me, going to the game that wouldn't be able to go to the game. But the question that lingers for me is how many vaccinated fans are just not comfortable going to a situation where they don't know 30,000 other people's statuses. And if you said, hey, we're going to require that everybody be double vaxxed to go, how many more of those people will come out of the woodwork? My neighbor would would be one of them. His family would would start going again. They've had season tickets for a long time. So I I, I hope the, the, the riders, the Elks, are kind of looking at that and going, hmm, is there more business lost or more business gained if we make this move? And how much are we willing to sacrifice to do what is very clearly the right thing and the popular thing. DT, let's take it from the stands to uh, the field and the dressing room. I mean, this elk story has been the story in the Canadian Football League. The Thursday game has been, at this point, postponed. I'll just ask you straight up. What do you know? What are you hearing about the situation? I guess it's now up to nine nine players. uh, And how is this being discussed in and around the league for where they go from here? Because... As we all know, there was the potential of teams straight up losing games and players not being paid if these games couldn't be played. Well, that'll be that'll be the thing. Can they reschedule this game? And uh, this, from listening to to Dave Naylor, there's talk about can they move the game to Edmonton? What can they do with this? They the rules in the CFL say uh, there are, basically you have to have five full days, 120 hours between games in the CFL, but twice a year. You can play a game or your team can be forced to play a game on with just four days in between the previous games. So but by my math, since both teams play Labor Day Monday, they could push this game as late as Tuesday or Wednesday to try to get it in. That's going to be a stretch, right, because the Elks facility is closed for seven days, which would take that into very early next week. Could the Elks safely put a team together and have a plan together to play that game? I sure hope so, because the alternative is, I would presume, the Elks have to forfeit, and then if if either team doesn't meet that 85% vaccination status, their dudes aren't getting paid, including Argos players, who, can you imagine if you're an Argos player, and you were double-vaxxed, and you followed all the rules, and then this team you were supposed to play, whatever happened to make the outbreak there, wait, I'm not getting paid one-fourteenth of my salary because of something some guy on some other team did? While I did everything right, that's going to sting. And it's going to send a message to everybody else. Do we know if the Argos are at 85? Uh, I Actually, I don't know for sure. I I haven't heard uh, because good, it's interesting. good information it, about it. it, it it's, it. it's interesting in that situation because if they are at the 85% threshold, yeah. what's the incentive for them to you know go through a bunch of hoops and reschedule a game that would have been played if their opponents were ready and had met their, you know, and met their quota of, of, of vaccinations. I mean, we did hear, yeah. it was interesting that Naylor said there's the potential that Edmonton could essentially buy the game from Toronto. 
and and maybe that's the carrot for the Argonaut organization. Well, we're going to play the game. The guys will get paid, and we'll cut you guys a check. You won't have to have an embarrassing crowd in Toronto. And maybe maybe this maybe the Argos are going to play all their games on the road next year. This is just how this is the start <laughs> of it going forward. But that to me is a really key piece of information. Uh, information, Derek, in that. Um, you know, if they're not at that point, then you know that the impetus from the players will be let's figure out a way to play this game. And yeah, you know, if we have to have a bit less rest before a particular game, we'll do that because we're professionals and we need a game check. If they are not in the, I mean, if they are at that point, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of incentive for the Toronto Argonauts to do anything other than show up for their rest of their scheduled games and uh, yeah. and take a win thanks to the Eskimos um, outbreak. Yeah, and, and that's it, it becomes an uncomfortable spot for everybody, right? But I just hope whatever whatever the CFL can dig to the truth of, they need to lay out, if punishment is warranted, they need to lay it out and not just go, okay, we're going to give you a warning this time. Because if the Elks have to forfeit a game, that's going to resonate with every coaching staff across the league. Holy cow, we can't be forfeiting a game, guys. Let's Let's make sure we get our stuff together. If players lose a paycheck, Tell me losing four grand of your $56,000 salary, whatever it is, isn't going to hit home real hard. It absolutely will because you didn't get a month. You didn't get to skip a week of your rent, right? You didn't get to skip a, a week of uh, buying your food and supplements. So that, that's going to resonate. And if the Elks were to lose, uh, pardon me, if the Argos were to lose a home date because of what some other t- team did, well, every team across the league is going to go, oh, we can't. We can't be giving up, you know, a million dollars in revenue. We can't, you know, this, we need to pressure internally all the way from the top to the middle, to the middle, to the bottom and all across it. It's the, the CFL needs to handle this right. And they, in my mind, they need to lay down some, the actual punishment that they've threatened. If the punishment is warranted, the forfeits and the salaries, because that will get the message across. Do you have any idea? I mean, I think overall the CFLPA, like most PAs, have a majority of people that I think are pretty forward thinking, realizing the situation that they were in, realizing that the vaccinations are going to be a huge benefit in allowing them to play the game. But it's certainly not unanimous. How um, how difficult has it been for the CFLPA, do you do you know, to, to get people on side? And how hard are they working to try to continue this process for the guys that haven't yet got their shots? Yeah, it's just a constant process of education, right? Uh, Shaq Evans, the star receiver in Saskatchewan, talked about, initially I didn't really want to do it, but then we had a meeting with our team doctors and they explained it all to me. And then they went, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take the shot. You, you just you just have to keep trying and you have to find different ways to try and get to the source of the resistance to it. I think the CFLPA absolutely gets uh, the importance of it. I think every team gets the importance of it. I think teammates get the importance of it. Cody Fajardo here has talked at length of, you know, I, I immediately got the shot because I'm looking at the season and I'm thinking of the team. Uh, Jerry Jones was on his radio show in the States, right? Talking about you have to leave I at the door because it's we now, right? So you just have to, if you, I, there are reasons for vaccine hesitation that, that, a white guy in Canada does not understand the history of an African-American person and vaccinations. I couldn't possibly understand. But ultimately I I would kind of hope they look at it like, well, I'm a 28 year old and I want to play professional football and I want to make a living. So this thing is 
not harmful. It's actually incredibly helpful and it's saving lives every day. I should probably do this. Yeah. But I don't know how you, there are some people I'm not sure how you entirely convince when you see some of the rants on Twitter, Hassan, I know you've seen them. <laughs> I, I kind of don't know how you reach some of the people, uh, even CFL players who have done some Twitter ranting. I, I don't know how you reach some of them, but the CFLPA would have a pretty good idea. Are you trying to tell me that on Twitter there are some non-intelligent, well-reasoned takes, Derek Taylor? I, 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 I've yet to see them. I mean, it seems just like one big Mensa convention every time I open the app. <laughs> Do you have a hot take with button that we can press? Because, yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, the the guy yesterday who phoned the show and said, uh, we're not vaccinated and if we're if we if they put in this rule, we won't go to the games like, yeah. That's that's true because they won't they won't let you. And <laughs> yeah, you I've had, allowed it. I've seen, yeah, I've seen more people damaged by the vaccine than health. And I went, have you? One is the damage worse than death because twenty seven thousand Canadians are dead because of COVID. So if the if the damage is worse than death, okay, I get it. I'm not entirely sure what is worse than death because my two days of being knocked on my butt by my second dose, uh, infinitely better than death. So, but that's, that said, my sarcasm isn't going to convince anybody that the, the CFLPA has got a real tough task. And then within locker room, I've always wondered how about the dynamics of the 85% thing. Does it put pressure on players to get their peers vaccinated and how that'll go over in a locker yeah, room? Yeah, for sure. Right? I think so. And I mean, we're hearing coaches. I mean, I think of Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. I mean, Zim, yeah. Zim is a no-nonsense guy. And in and around the start of training camp, I mean, he basically went up and was very frank about how frustrated he was um, of the resilience or the, the residence of a number of his players to jump on board. And when you hear, I mean, Kirk Cousins, your leader, yeah. the guy you're paying 35 or $40 million to play quarterback for, you know, unable to play in a preseason or, a, you know, a, a planned practice, where you have fans in the building and there's only one quarterback able to go. And then he goes, well, we're going to put up a bunch of glass and I'll wear a hazmat suit for the quarterback meetings. I mean, you're like, are you serious? And he seemed to be at wit's end. And then for crying out loud, you mentioned Jerry Jones. I mean, when Jerry Jones is the voice of reason, I mean, that yeah. alone says it. Although I will say this, I'd respect Jerry's take a lot more if while at the same time he said that, he'd say, and by the way, if you want to come to Cowboys Stadium for a game next year, next year, uh, yeah. you're also going to have to be like us and the players and get it done because that one makes it safer for everybody. Well, and the next time Kirk Cousins has some sort of news conference where he talks about putting the team first, if he were <laughs> to ever criticize the teammate for not putting the team first, all these guys immediately go on my list of, I have no reason to ever listen to you again. The The Vikings coach who, who got fired or didn't get fired, whatever that was, that guy can never tell a player to sacrifice again because he was not willing to do one tiny safe thing for his team. You know, oh, my principles are bad. No, it's a, if it's about the team, it's about the team. It's not about you, you completely dispensable coach. Like, ah, it, Kirk Cousins was, I don't know, I, I'm waiting for players to get cut because they won't get vaccinated or whatever it might be, because it's just, it, it ain't helping anybody. Well, and listen, I mean, we're talking about this in professional sports and, you know, when we're talking about a 36 or whatever million dollar contract for Kirk Cousins, it's very different than players in the Canadian football league. But those yeah. decisions that you just mentioned um, are going to be commonplace right now in Canada. I mean, I, I haven't got a chance to go through everything that came out of our government today, but I mean, from what I understand, if you're a nurse, if you're a teacher, I mean, if you're working with 
anyone that could be unvaccinated, I mean, whether it be children or people in the healthcare system, you got a choice to make. You're either finding a different line of work or you're going to have the shot. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it seemed extreme in some cases at the beginning, but I think because of where we are, I mean, that is the direction of it. And, you know, we're a little more used to it here because of, you know, it came, they were somewhat more proactive. Um, but I'll tell you what, this is, it's like a domino effect. It's happening here. You see it go through the Canadian NHL teams, the CFL teams, and, you know, I, I'm just, I, I would be stunned if by the time the Bombers uh, go to Regina on Labor Day, that there isn't some change to the policy right now, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I, I think I would be too. And the, the Riders have, do have a little bit of a runway. Uh, the game isn't for, you know, two weekends from now. So there's a little bit of a, a runway to get to that. Uh, the one thing I, I'm curious, I don't know if we'll ever know, but as we as we watch, the Ticats signed a couple of players the other day. The Riders signed a player the other day. I cannot imagine uh, a CFL team signing a player who is unvaccinated, just with all the problems it, it could potentially cause and the 85% threshold. Whenever I see the transaction wire go right now, I, I think I'm assuming this guy's vaccinated because I would, if I was GM, I would absolutely need to know that before I decide I'm bringing a guy up across the border to be my new left tackle or whatever. But yeah, changes. Yeah. Hey, man, great conversation as always. Keep up the great work there on the sports cage and calling Ryder games. And we will have to do this again very soon because we got a couple big football games, one in Regina and one here in Winnipeg once we get to September. The, the battle for the West. I love it, brother. <laughs> oh, be well. Thanks so much. There he is, Derek Taylor at DT on SC. It used to be Sports Center. Now it's the Sports Cage, CKRM in Regina, and the uh, voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We will get to some Jets talk, and we will talk a little fantasy football coming up in just a second. Do want to thank Paramount Services Limited for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Paramount Services Limited, a full facility maintenance company serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to all of your favorite restaurants and convenience stores in Western Canada. And they do it 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for 28 years. If you need a one-stop shop for your kitchen or cooler supplies for your business or restaurant anywhere in Western Canada, give them a call. Ask for Carrie O'Brien. Or you can visit their website at Paramount Services LTD for more information. And, of course, they're always looking for qualified techs who specialize in plumbing, electrical, HVAC, or handyman, uh, handiwork. And go to their website, submit your resume today. Or you can go to our sponsor page at Winnipeg Sports Talk and it'll click the link. It'll take you right there. Um, big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Um, the car lab is coming together. Grand opening coming up very soon. Right there with Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. If you're thinking about a new vehicle for you and your family, why not get a great deal on the car of your dreams with the help of the Not team? And if you're in a vehicle right now that you need to get out of a lease or move on from, it'll help you get maximum value for that as well through their consignment program. Pop down and see them or check them out online at not.ca. Or pop down to the dealership at Not Auto Corp, Waverly, and McGilvery in Winnipeg. And again, we don't have great patio weather tonight. A big Blue Jays game after that big win last night against the White Sox. Uh, so maybe it's time for a BP lounge visit this evening. When you're there, whether it's outside or in, the new summer menu is here, welcoming everybody back to Boston Pizza, including the Burger Italiano, the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich, 
and some incredible summer cocktails, including the Peachy Mojito Royale, the White Sangria Smash, and the Bulldog Margarita Fishbowl. Summer's here at Boston Pizza. Bring your appetite. Sunglasses optional. All right. We always want to talk Jets, although it is a very quiet time right now after a pretty eventful offseason. Hopefully, Kevin Sheveldayoff's getting his line in the water for a couple weeks before things get going in September. Um, we will get to some fantasy football talk because our next guest is involved in a pretty wild league with my buddy Andy McNamara. But first off, let's talk Jets with Jamie Thomas of Jets TV. Jamie, what's going on? How has your summer been? And thanks so much for joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hustler, uh, it's been good. Um, we just got back from Ontario after 17 days. So uh, I spent a long time with my in-laws and my sister-in-law and my nieces and stuff. So I got that out of the way. Come home and welcome to the rain again after I come, you know, you come back home after a summer of yellow grass. Now it's green. <laughs> well, you know, it had to happen sooner or later, of course. Um, let's talk about some of the moves that Kevin Sheveldayoff's made. Sure. And, I, and I will say that, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious um, if you're talking hockey around Winnipeg and Manitoba with Jet fans over the past month, it's been an incredibly exciting time. And, and I go back to that 24-hour period or so between the acquisition of Brendan Dillon and then Nate Schmidt joining the club mm -hmm. in two separate trades as, you know, there's been big deals. I mean, the lining trade was huge, the Evander Kane trade, but that period of time with multiple deals in the addition could be right up there for offseason, the most exciting period of time we've had since this team got here. Um, how would you categorize what you're hearing from people and just the excitement that those moves, especially on the blue line, have generated for the Jets going into training camp in September? Yeah, I think, Andrew, like you look at what happened. And I remember when I came here in the fall of 2017 before, you know, they go on that epic season and, you know, franchise records and points, they go to the, the conference final you know, there's a little bit of skepticism heading into, the, into that season. This one, I think, uh, and then I think this is almost equal to 2018-19, where there were Stanley Cup aspirations uh, following the, the run to the Western Conference Finals. So, but this one, this one has a little bit of feel, you know, a lot of difference, different feel to it. And I, I, I say that because, you know, you get text messages from friends like, "Whoa, look what Chevy did! Oh, I can't believe this! Oh, this is, you know." So, I to me, this is probably the most excited this city has been about this hockey team and, and for good reason. You, you, you were talking about how you had to shore up the back end and they did just that, you know, you had size. And I remember Andrew Kopp saying they had to get a little bit harder to play against. I think they're going to be a lot harder to play against this year. And, and for, they had to do that because you're right back in the central division again. And we've seen all the moves. We know how complicated and, and uh, competitive this division is going to be. So for me, I think you just look up and down the lineup and you feel pretty good about where this hockey club sits. And I, and you just talked about Chevy putting a line in the water right now. I think he, along with everybody else in the front office, deserves that opportunity to breathe here and wait for training camp to begin because they've done some fine work heading into the 2021-22 season. Well, I mean, listen, ever since the, you know, the, the handshakes were uh, happening between the Jets and the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, right. our attention here in Winnipeg and certainly on this program and amongst Jet fans, they were paying attention to what happened in the rest of the playoff, but it was about next season. Yeah. And there were huge questions as to how a team with so much talent up front with one of the best goalies on the planet could improve themselves on that back end. And it's not always easy to do, especially when you assume free agency being the road to do that. And with the exception of Dougie Hamilton on them on the market, there really wasn't a player 
that I think could have made the impact of either of the two acquisitions. And the thing, Jamie, that makes it even better when you look back at what happened, those two deals were made going into free agency. Brendan Dillon comes in on a three-year deal at $3.9 million. Nate Schmidt has, I believe, four years left at just under six. When you compare what those players bring to the table to the other defensemen that were signed in this offseason, whether as free agents or buying unrestricted free agent years, the value of those two players not only stands out, but it also fits perfectly within a team that, you know, maybe more than any time in its existence is pushed right up to the cap, trying to keep all this talent together and make a run as a group going forward. Yeah, there was some creative accounting done, uh, certainly by Larry Simmons in the front office for the Jets and, and trying to make sure everything fits in, in this cap. But you're you're right. You look around and you look at what Chicago paid for to get Seth Jones. Do you really like nine and a half is astronomical number? Like it's it's ridiculous. I'm still scratching my head when I have lots of respect for what Seth Jones is as a defenseman. But you're not going to pay that. And you don't want that contract sitting on your blue line if you're the Jets and you would sure Dougie Hamilton would look fantastic in Jets colors and he would fit in just fine, but you didn't give, you gave up some draft picks and, and you bring in two quality players. And I, what I keep hearing too, hustler is just like, just the quality individuals these guys are. And I know they're good players, but I think they're going to fit in right away in the dressing room. And that that's as important as anything as there is. And in, for us as the media, Dylan and, and Schmidt uh, seem to be, Character guys, they're going to be fun to deal with from in terms of from uh, from our perspective day to day, and then of course proving things in the back end, and that's the most important part of this whole puzzle for the Jets is you're just that much better. And uh, I, just, you know, you still even to this day, I'm still in shock of what happened over those 24 that 24 hour period because not that this isn't a great place to play, it is. But I just think you, you just brought in two character guys and they're just going to spread the word even more about how great of a city this is to play in and, and a franchise it is to play for. Well, and, and you know, we can't really have this conversation. I would remiss to not mention the first domino of that. And that was the re-signing of Paul Stastny yeah. to a, a deal that I think is incredibly fair for the team and the player considering what he brings. And it's a one-year deal. I mean... You know, you're not committing beyond this season. I'm sure they'd love to have Paul Stastny stay as long as he wants and can continue to play. Yeah. But you do that. And then he's the guy that picks up the phone to Schmidt and says, dude, we got some good things going on here. And next thing you know, Nate Schmidt's a Winnipeg Jet. I mean, we we have to mention Paul Stastny's role in all of this, because let's face it, if Stastny doesn't sign, even if Nate Schmidt does come the loss of Stastny up front would be a, you know, a significant loss and a major hole for a team considering how many different things he can do both on and off the ice for this team. I think the best thing that happened for the Jets was a full year of Paul Stastny. Uh, you know, we got, the Jets got him at the trade deadline in 2018. We just saw him for a, a little bit. Didn't really get to understand what he was as a player, as a guy in the dressing room, and how he helps the, you know, the organization. Now you get a full year of him and a full understanding and appreciation for what he is. You see him after practice talking to younger guys. You, you realize how important he is to Pierre-Luc Dubois' development as a centerman, as a player in, in the National Hockey League, and certainly as it gets used to the system uh, that the Jets throw down. So, I, I, you know, Paul Stastny as a guy that has to sell this this, this franchise is, is fantastic and, and, and plays perfectly into what Kevin Cheveldayoff was trying to accomplish here. And I think, you know, as each day goes by, 
I think fans, media, and anyone else that follows this team realizes what an important cog that Paul Stastny is. And on, on top of that, he looked good on the wing too. So eventually you think that he's going to get pushed out there when you can kind of rely on Pierre-Luc Dubois to be your everyday second centerman. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the best case scenario. And mm-hmm. we all know it's um, naive to think that everyone's going to be healthy and play the entire 82 games. I mean, you need all of those players and some other guys that are knocking on the door for opportunities. Yeah. Uh, you did mention the characters and, you know, we had Brendan Dillon on and it was a really nice conversation. And, um, you know, he seems to be a guy that will come in and, you know, be a, a guy, a popular player amongst the team and a guy that most importantly will be clearing out everything in front of Connor Hellebuck and being that big physical defense when the Jets have sort of been missing for the last few years since uh, you know who departed um, <laughs> on, on short he notice. Shall shall, not be named. Yeah, on short notice. <laughs> um, but I'll say this about Nate Schmidt. We had him on the program, I think, last week or the week before. Everyone saw his first address with the media when he was traded here. I mean, this guy is absolutely an an electric personality. And I won't get you to comment on the team, but I will say at times the Jets have been like soul workmanlike. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, part of it, you know, you do take the, um, you know, you do take the the, the lead from your leaders. And we know Blake Wheeler is incredibly focused and all that, but I... As much as Nate Schmidt's going to help this team on the ice, I really do think that that sort of a guy, a respected player, a guy that's playing big minutes, it's not to, it's not the Matt, you know, the director of um, morale Hendrickson coming back in from Minnesota to sort of to spice things up. I mean, I think that the effect of him both on and off the ice could be very important for a team because man, it's a long season. I mean, you mm-hmm. see it, you travel with the club. There's some ups and downs and. Having a bit of levity and having a bit of fun, especially while you're winning or even in the downtimes, I think is important once you get to, you know, really being a team together, battling for that cup in the postseason. Yeah, you, you hit it right there. You, you look at right after Christmas, Huss, like when we're all kind of, you know, January's here, it's cold out, it's, you know, Florida's in town. You, you kind of need those types of guys to keep things going, and even through some tough years. And this team will this team will have moments where they struggle considering the division that they're in, but those are the types of guys you want in your room. And, and Dan Murphy texted me after they brought in Brendan Dillon, and they said, this guy, he said he's outstanding, an outstanding person. And so I know Nate Schmidt's getting a lot of credit and you've already touched on the fact of how funny he was on your show and how good of a guy he is. I just think you need more guys like that in your room. And yes, Patrick Laine had that character, but he was young. So the command or the presence and I guess the respect that you get from a veteran player such as a Blake Wheeler or, you know, an Adam Lowry at this point in their career, you just need a couple more of those guys in your room. And I think there's a little bit of a loss without Matthew Perot because of what he brought to that dressing room, that's that's a loss. But you've added two more character guys in your room. So it, it's a long year. They just came off a 56-game schedule, but I think they're more than happy to play 82 and know that they're not going to be you know, just sequestered to their hotel. And there's going to be a little bit more freedom, hopefully. I, I don't want to ruin anything by saying these types of things, but hopefully there's a little more freedom on top of what uh, they've added in that dressing room as well. No doubt about that. Jamie Thomas of Jets TV with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, the other two big signings were guys that were with the club but had to get done. And very interesting the way things worked out. Neil Pionk gets a four-year deal. And then Andrew Kopp signs a one-year deal. And, and we had Kopp on at the end of last week. And, 
you know, I think the writing was somewhat on the wall, just knowing the cap situation of the Winnipeg mm. Jets once that happened. And certainly when he saw $10 million come in on the blue line for draft picks going out. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I think in a lot of ways, this is the best scenario for the team. Uh, and it's a great opportunity for Andrew Kopp as well. And I certainly don't close the door on Andrew Kopp being a Winnipeg Jet beyond this season. But at the same time, Jamie, when you are making a push to try to win a Stanley Cup, um, you can only sign so many players to long-term deals right now. And, you know, you're going to have an incredibly motivated young man that's bet on himself before that knows if he goes and has another great season and maybe as importantly is able to show what he can do on a deep playoff run that'll put him in a very good position financially, whether he's here in Winnipeg coming back or going elsewhere as a UFA. Yeah, I think... Hus, when you look back at last year, that was like, if you're anybody going into contract year, Andrew Andrew Kopp had the year of a year to to do that, right? And yes, maybe he he had earned the opportunity to get a long term deal, but I think he understood what was in front of him, what the Jets had done, and everybody on this roster, I believe, is here to win. Clearly, so you have to kind of put that stuff to the side, re- realize your worth, and that that's coming. But this is this is a perfect scenario for him again. Like it was last year, he got to kill penalties. He played in the top six, was on the top power play. Like Andrew Kopp did everything, everything you could ask him to do. And that was perfect for him as he tried to get a long-term deal. But I mean, you have another great year this year and the team is successful. I mean, that could line your pockets even more down the road. And I, I think Andrew Kopp has that mentality and is strong uh, enough mentally to handle uh, a season like this where the pressure's on him again to, pr- to prove himself. And and then he'll I think he's going to get the contract that he so richly deserves. Yeah, and, and that could be here in Winnipeg. I mean, a yeah. lot of things can change. Players can leave, and I think it's important to note for Jet fans that you know want to say, "Well, it's on a one-year deal." Obviously, <laughs> that's it. I mean, he said right to us. I mean, the hope on their side was to get a four or five-year deal. That will be the case at the end of this season, whether it's here or elsewhere. Uh, yes. But I don't think the door is closed on it. And let's face it, I don't think anything could be more attractive to a young man in that position than going back to a team that has had a great amount of success and seems to be poised for more of it. And all things considered, that would be the best case scenario for the hockey club, too, to have that conversation next summer. Yeah, and I, I think the most important thing, too, as well, is that they didn't have to go to arbitration again. I, I think well, that was the most important part of this whole thing. They've done it once. You, you know, both you, as a player, you know, none of us have sat in that room, but I've heard enough from people. Doesn't uh, sound you, fun. No, it does not. It's you get told what what you're not doing quite often. Actually, it's kind of like sitting there with your dad. Some nice, right? You get the old A and he thinks you should get the A plus. And uh, if you scored three, he thinks you should got four. That's that's pretty much what I could compare it to. Um, but I think the fact that they avoided that and those types of hurt feelings afterwards. And I think the Jets expressed what he meant to them instead of, what he wasn't doing. And I think that changes the whole, well, the whole and, scenario, right? For and, a and chance just, a future contract. Yeah. And just on that topic, I mean, one of the things, and this goes to why I have some more optimism that, you know, there might be Andrew Kopp here beyond this season mm-hmm. is that he was pretty straightforward when speaking with the media saying that, you know, we sort of knew that it was probably going to end up with a one-year deal. And, you know, he said, he thought the Jets sort of offered something that was fair and that would have been more than what he could have expected to get in arbitration. So, I think they did the right thing, uh, what they were able to do at this point. And it certainly sets up uh, an interesting season for Cop in particular. Let's quickly, before we move on, talk about that bottom bottom six. And let's just assume that the guys were in the top six stay there. You've got 
Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp as, you know, one of the great pairs of checking forwards in the league that, you know, depending on injury, we see Kopp up there all the time. And I'm sure that Remember, don't call him a, don't call him a checking line. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we've got Mason Appleton is now a member of the Kraken and yeah. essentially the third line, Nate Thompson, Trevor Lewis, and Matthew Perot um, have moved on. How do you see the bottom six shaking out? And maybe, oh, we won't kind of peg lines right now, but who are the players that weren't in that group that you see having a great opportunity coming into training camp um, to be regulars and to be in that starting lineup on uh, game number one in Anaheim? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm like a big believer now in Christian Veselin. And I, I mean, I had my doubts heading into last year. I thought that maybe his ship had sailed here in Winnipeg, but he had a better attitude heading into camp. Um, and it showed um, when he came up to play with the Jets kind of full time there the last part of the year. I think he showed more interest of being a physical player, used his size to his advantage. He was more inclined to go to the front of the net, whereas he had been a perimeter player earlier in his in his pro hockey career. And that, that goes to show like how important the Manitoba Moose and Pascal Vincent and the rest of the coaching staff had been to his development. And it kind of like clicked last year. So I think. He is fully capable and has that ability to play on that third line. Uh, his size will be there. It would be greatly appreciated. His his ability to shoot the puck will be greatly appreciated. Uh, I think they can do some damage with that third line. And then, you know, Jansen Harkins didn't really get a lot of opportunities last year, but was did not look like the player he was the previous season. So I think he fits in on the fourth line. I love his speed. I love his shot. I love the way he plays. I just thought that things didn't click for him in a year ago. Love the addition of Riley Nash, and then of course Dominic Toninato. I think that 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 rounds out your fourth line at this point. There's there's a lot more to be said clearly as we get toward you know, head close to camp, but that to me looks like to me the fourth line how that third line is going to shake out. As yeah, it's going to September. Toninato is an interesting guy yes. because I mean you know he was signed last year and I mean whatever happened he got COVID he was gone for a good portion of the start of the season and. I mean, honest to God, Jamie, if you would put Dominic Toninato in a police lineup a week before the end of the regular season, I think most Jet fans would have just been taking a guess. And then he plays a couple games at the end of the year. And then we see him in game number one of the Edmonton series yes. for a big goal. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, it's amazing about making the most of your opportunities because in that situation, you're only getting a precious few. I mean, certainly he didn't play, I believe, until game 55 of a 56 regular game season. Yeah. But it was pretty clear that he made an impression to the coaching staff outside of Paul Maurice that just gave him the chance to get into the lineup. And then when he was in there, certainly came through and I think gave them the confidence that he is a guy they could count on to play some regular minutes in a bottom six role. Yeah, and I think Dominic Toninato clearly got a raw deal, right? He got he got COVID, but he looked really comfortable in training camp on, on, on a fourth line when they had an intra-squad scrimmage. And I thought maybe, okay, this I could see why the Jets found some interest in him, but I mean, when you have your opportunities in a deep lineup like this and you show the way you did, uh, especially in the playoffs, I think you've earned that right to, to fit in that fourth line. I can see why the Jets brought him back because even though it was a small sample size, he I thought he did more than enough uh, to prove himself and then we'll get that opportunity and I think he's a front runner for that fourth line spot uh, heading into camp. Hey, just one more thing on the Jets. Uh, there yeah. was a signing last week, and that was Svechnikov, um, the uh, former first-rounder from Detroit. And this is very interesting in that he's actually technically at this point signed to the Manitoba Moose with a pretty good AHL salary if he does spend the time there. Right. Um, how do you see this going? I mean, I think he'll come in essentially on a PTO, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think it's important for everyone to note the cap implications of signing players beforehand. It almost seems like 
there is a very good chance that once the season begins, he'll be on a two-way contract. And there's another guy. I mean, man, when you look at the available free agents, he's about 10 years younger than every single other guy on that list. <laughs> um, but it seems like a really low-risk, high-upside bet for the Winnipeg Jets on a young player in a, you know getting a fresh start in a new organization. For sure. And you, you even look like Matt, the Moose were set I, clearly on the blue line, certainly in net. But it was I think it's just uh, a good move there. And yes, it's, it gives you an opportunity to make some moves. And if he earns an opportunity in training camp to play in the National Hockey League, that's great. But I think right now he's kind of slotted in in the top six forward group for the Jets or the Moose. And then if anything comes out of it, then it's it's a bonus. Again, I, like you just said, it was very interesting move, but it's like high reward, low risk. And the fact they pulled this off after everything and to get a guy so young and with a huge upside like this is just another great move that we, I guess we haven't really had a chance to trumpet enough around here because it was just, it came at a very you know quiet time. Um, but I also like, you know, we look at what the Manitoba Moose are going to look like next year. I mean, they get to play a full schedule touch wood as well. Um, and it's, it looks like they're building a pretty good roster down there for, for the first year head coach here. No doubt about it. Uh, great to have Jamie Thomas, the Jets TV. If you're with us live on YouTube, do us a favor, hit the thumbs up. We could use a few more likes. Uh, I, I see two. I'm not sure whether they were anti-vaxxers or maybe Ryder fans that didn't like the way we handled Derek Taylor, but uh, I don't know what's up with that. Anyways, help us <laughs> out, folks. Wear my mask yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need likes. to. No, yeah. we're good. We're good. The, the, the mandate is not in effect right <laughs> now right. on, right, on right, Winnipeg right. Sports Talk. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, let's talk some fantasy football for a minute. Yeah. I am loving the fact that you are so into it, and it is something that is a hobby. It is so much fun to get get into mm-hmm. i mean and everyone is involved in you know their home leagues and i'm looking forward to playing with you and dusty and the guys this year but can we talk about this league that you and my guy andy mcnamara are involved in uh, the uffl yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> there was you guys were down in vegas there was the draft last week yes a 53 man draft i was talking to dusty they were into like hour 40 of this draft and you know, you hear some of the individuals that have bought teams in this league. Chris Carter, Mike Vick, Steven yeah. Stamkos. Uh, just try and ra- give us wrap our heads around the scale of this and tell us about how you got involved and how fun it's been. Uh, okay, so, you know, Andy Mack is I'm clearly is one of your favorite guys on your show. And there's I don't think there's anybody that shows a passion for anything in life that Andy Mack does for football. The so, only guy with more energy than Nate Schmidt, Andy yeah, Mack. I, I would take, I would go hands down with that, with Andy Mack on Nate Schmidt. And I, like, I'll throw that down. That's the Pepsi challenge right there. It's not even close, but he uh, has suggested to me about becoming the director of scouting for the UFAFL or uh, UFF sports is coming up. We've got an NCAA league coming. The CFL legends league is coming. The American football league legends is coming too. So uh, it's a it's a big huge project, but for the one that's going on right now, it's a 32 team uh, league, and it's not like any other fantasy league. Like there's multiple leagues going on. This is just a one time league. There's 32 owners. Uh, Nick Lewis is is one of the owners too. Uh, Devon Claybrooks used to coach the BC Lions as an owner too. So it's, I mean, it's it's all over the place. But the main structure is 53 man roster, and you have to start 46 players each week. And it's like full offensive linemen. It's special teams. So I I don't know how the GMs did it. They, it was certainly annoying over the 53 rounds because we were answering many questions. And, uh, you know, the website that we were using didn't have a lot of the players that guys were looking for. 
And not to bore people, but we had to custom create 200 offensive linemen because they weren't there. We had to actually manually enter everybody's salary of over 1,800 players' salary into because it's a salary cap compliant league. Oh, that as well. doesn't sound tedious at all. Oh, uh, and you know, <laughs> here's the thing: like we all do our fantasy sports. A lot of our wives are our, our better halves. So there's lots of women that do fantasy sports too, and they look at you and they're wondering what you're doing. Now I'm doing this all the time. I've got I'm commissioner of two leagues, and I'm now I'm doing this league as well. But entering those salaries was was a lot of fun. Uh, not, and then on top of that, we've. We've moved on now. So the 53-man draft is now over. Now we're moving on to the rookie auction. So this these players are on your roster forever. It's a dynasty league. That, that draft's never going to happen again. The only way you can get guys on your roster now is you through scouts. And scouts have to go and purchase the rights to players on our, our website, on the blockchain. And then teams have to take those players from the scouts. So this it's an opportunity for people that no scouting to monetize their abilities to track down talent. So um, the rookie auction's coming up. So as a 32-team league, you do the math. There's only 32 quarterbacks. So Trevor Lawrence is going to command. I'm talking, we're going in thousands of dollars. Guys are going to have to pay for this guy. So Well, it just how much were the teams going for? Like that, that was where I had the first yeah. sticker shock when hearing what these teams, because it was auction, you got a yes. higher pick, but... I mean, to, to buy teams in this league, we were talking about six figures in some cases. Right. And there was one team at one point that was one hundred and fifty thousand was the top price U.S. dollars for a franchise. So whoever paid the most money got the first overall pick in the draft and will have the first opportunity to draft a, a, in, in the rookie draft as well. But we had to reset a little bit. We had some guys that were there were some fake bids, let's just say. So the top bid was 50, 50 K, but still. Like, I mean, they have a hockey league. Teams were selling for 250, 250 bucks. And Ryan Malone, formerly the Pittsburgh Penguins and Tampa Bay Lightning, just bought a team for 75000 U.S. So, like, the, the values of these franchises, much like the NFL, is skyrocketing every day. So I, I, I wish I could, like, combine it to what it all is. There's it, it costs you money to make a trade. It costs you money to make a transaction. When you cut somebody, it costs money. It all goes into the prize pool. Uh, it is completely blowing my mind every day what's going on here. <laughs> Jamie Thomas is with us. Uh, spent a lot of time talking Jets, but now we're getting into this fantasy football. How do offensive linemen get points? I mean, you okay. pancake a guy and you get it or don't allow sacks. I'm a yeah. defensive lineman. I mean, I, there, there's a whole area. I mean, like I'm a fantasy nerd. I play in a couple IDP leagues, and even I'm like, what? What the yeah. heck? How, how's my long snapper points? <laughs> <laughs> so long snapper, we haven't got into them yet. But offensive linemen, we've gone as a group. So the Cleveland Browns offensive line say they give up a sack that takes points off. Uh, they give a quarterback, you know, a quarterback pressure take some points off on each individual player. So Joel Batonio, who have whatever franchise he's on, he'll lose points if they. A certain amount of rushing yards, they get points. So we kind of, the challenging part was trying not to put too much or too few, too little value on offensive linemen. So I just challenge anybody out there. We, I think this is the only league right now that is giving offensive linemen value. And uh, I emailed a couple of offensive linemen that I used to cover in the, in the Canadian football league and they couldn't believe it, but they couldn't, there's like, there's no value out there. You can't see pancakes there's no stat line on that right now. So that's the challenging part right now, Huss, is just trying to find the right way to give offensive linemen their, 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 their due that they've always deserved but have never been able to get in fantasy football. 
All right, let's pick your brain as the uh, as the director of scouting. Let's talk about this rookie quarterback class coming into the National yeah. Football League. My gosh. You got Lawrence at one, yeah. Zach Wilson at two, mm-hmm. Trey Lance at three, Fields went, I want to say, 11. Mac Jones is in the 20s, but I believe those are the five first-round quarterbacks. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm missing anyone. No, you got, you hit who, it on the head. Who are, you, who are you highest on for this season? I mean, if people are thinking, oh, I'm going to grab one of these guys, we're not talking Dynasty League. We're talking about output this season. Right who are you highest on? And the part two of that, if you're talking about long-term career, mm-hmm. um, how do you how do you rank the guys? Who do you like, and maybe who are you staying away from? Well, dynasty wise, long-term, you Trevor Lawrence, like they're just the best quarterbacking prospect since Andrew Luck, right? And I think Jacksonville is under a lot of pressure right now with Urban Meyer bringing his new system in, so you have to get that fixed in. So you got to give him some patience there. Uh, watching the game against the Saints last night, didn't look like Trevor Lawrence had a whole lot of time to throw the football. But when yeah, it reminded me of David Carr, totally. year one of the Houston Texans, where he was on his ass every three snaps. Or even Randall Cunningham back in the eighties with the with the Eagles Huss, right? There's like I think he still holds the record for most. No, I think you're right. I think Carr still had, holds the record for most hits. And then Tim Couch was had no opportunity to throw the football either as the first overall pick of the Cleveland Browns. But I think for this season right now, uh, they Kyle Shanahan may be lying. I hold another act right now, but there's no question that Trey Lance is going to be the, the quarterback soon for the San Francisco 49ers. So for how that team is built both on both sides of the football, I think Trey Lance is your best opportunity to give you a lot of points this year. You know, Trevor Lawrence is going to get you some points because Jacksonville is going to be trailing, but just a little worried about if he's going to be able to survive right now behind that line. Uh, Zach Wilson, I think, falls in right behind Trey Lance at this point because I think Chicago's offensive line, Huss, is such a mess. I I think it's just a it's a matter of time for Justin Fields is back there, but how long is he going to survive, and how much is that going to hurt his development and his confidence this year? And then Mac Jones, it's odd to me that you've built an offense around Cam Newton, and then who's one of the best running quarterbacks in the National Football League, and then all of a sudden you're going to slam in you know this just young kid that's not known for his feet. Like he's a statue. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You're going to throw this guy in right away. There's no, I just, that, that doesn't sit with me at all. Maybe long-term, yes, because I don't see the, the hoodie investing a first-round pick in a quarterback, and it's not his future guy down the road here, but I just don't see it working out this year unless Cam Newton gets hurt. Well, so, here's the uh, thing about Cam, and, yeah. and and it's important to note that, um, you know, listen, I'm not going to get into Cole Beasley and Kirk Cousins and all that, but it's quite apparent that Cam has also decided that he's going to wait for more information. Yes. He's on the COVID list right now. As a leader of the team, I'm sure that's not going over well with the coaching staff. And the fact of the matter is, Mac Jones has looked damn good in the fact that he has been out there. And if there's one team in the National Football League that would look at a situation like this, of a young guy coming in, if he's done all the things that's been expected of him, and oh, now the number one guy isn't there for these sort of reasons. Yeah. I think his opportunity skyrocketed with that report of Cam Newton going on that list. And I'm not saying he's going to be the week one guy. I am telling you, though, that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are getting probably more of an opportunity to see him work with the ones and see how ready he is to go forward. There's a reason why they picked him. Yeah, um, I, I was pretty sure that it would be a process going forward. I'm now very interested in that New England situation. And I'll tell you what, from a from a fantasy standpoint, if we're just talking about one year, 
I don't know if I would be even wanting Cam Newton as my backup right now because I'm really not too sure how this goes. It's not like he tore the league apart last year as a member of the Pats. I mean, they barely passed at all. Yeah, and that's the thing. But with the value of of fantasy football, though, those running quarterbacks are just – elite at this point and that's where cam gave the most value was the rushing touchdowns and the running of the football i'm with you like but just still something stinks in suburbia with the patriots on this one again draft capital uh, bill belichick's never had to use a first round pick on a quarterback he's had the best quarterback ever for 20 years and then had to have a good fill in with with cam newton but you, you know if, I, if you're going zach jones you're going i'm thinking that's a that's a sleeper guy you're kind of sitting back on and then maybe zach wilson too right he's zach we Kind of have haven't got to him yet, really, but he's looked good in his two games. Slower start in that first one, but looking really comfortable against Green Bay. Of course, when things pick up a little bit, it's going to be a little bit more interesting. The Jets' offensive line is in fluctuation. They've added some free agents and, and some big draft picks on, on, on the, in their front five there. But I, I still think with Trey Lance, your sky's the limit on that one, and uh, you should be waiting for him to to blossom this year at some point, and then and, and, and the sky's the limit with him. Yeah, I'll say this about Zach Wilson. I think for a single season guy, yeah, you know, if you're, you know, like I have Mahomes in a league and you're going to grab another guy that, you know, you hope you never have to play, but maybe you do. Just in your bye week. The, th- the thing with Zach Wilson is that there's nobody else there that's even thrown a pass. I mean, mm-hmm. they are 100% all in on this guy and they may be bad this year. I do like Robert Saleh. I think they're going to make some progress going forward, but they could be down big in a lot of games. And as we all know, Jamie, garbage time counts just the same as the first quarter. And like, I just see him, he'll probably throw a bunch of picks, but he'll be out there. He will probably throw the ball more than any of the guys outside of maybe Trevor Lawrence, assuming that he's in there in week number one. And uh, there could be some value on a player like that. If that is the situation. Oh, we just dropped Jamie. We'll see if we can get him back right away. Yeah, if we do, he's just, we see his eyes closed on the stream. That was a, uh, <laughs> that was a quick loss. Let me just check out the, uh, the, the chat. Um, I do know, yeah, with Jamie's knowledge of NFL football, he might have to be the color commentator on MNF this season. Well, he's going to be busy with the Jets, but he certainly is all in. T. Kona Pauly is in on it on this new or, uh, New England conversation. I've said it before, I will say it again. Mac Jones will be the best QB out of the Fab Five from last year's draft. Um, It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. That's happened so many times before. I mean, we all think back to Aaron Rodgers dropping all the way to 26 when Alex Smith went first. And Alex Smith had an amazing career. But Aaron Rodgers is, you know, a generational quarterback, an MVP winner, a Super Bowl champion. Uh, and that is, uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to certainly make for, um, you know, they, these guys will always be compared to each other. And I think there's reason, no matter what team you're a fan of, if you have one of the rookie quarterbacks of this year, more so than a lot of the other seasons, I think there's you know, a ton of reason to be excited, not just for this season, but for the long-term future of it. Big thanks to Jamie Thomas for joining us. We got a little cut off at the end, but um, we've always got some time to talk fantasy. I will try and get Andy Mack on the program at some point soon. If he comes back, we'll definitely restart where we were. Yes, indeed, the old uh, the old laptop battery that can be uh, that can be an issue at times. Always plug in guests, guests, and future guests of Winnipeg Sports Talk have that laptop plugged in. You don't want to get booted like just happened with our conversation with Jamie Thomas of Jets TV. 
Uh, certainly some real good stuff. Listen, while we see if Jamie's going to come back, let me give a shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug Brewing. Um, man, it is, it's been so great having Little Brown Jug on board with us. Um, they're doing a number of things right now heading into the fall season, including they are going to be featured at Gold Eyes Craft Beer Corner coming up from August 31st to September 6th to close out the season. If you haven't been out to the fish game yet this year, as long as you got your uh, your vax cart, you're good to go. Um, team's playing well. I believe a doubleheader today. Uh, but Craft Beer Corner, an amazing spot to have a few with friends. And the good stuff from Little Brown Jug will be there from the 31st of August to September 6th. Um, I do want to mention, no longer doing same-day home delivery. However, they are doing next-day home delivery if you order before 2 p.m. from Wednesday to Saturday. And you can still schedule your deliveries ahead of time as well if you would like. And again, if you haven't yet this summer, pop down and check out the patio there at the brewery on William Avenue. A great spot to meet some friends for a couple of cold ones. Grab a couple slices of pizza and you can bring the summer variety pack, the 1919 and much more home with you after you pop by Little Brown Jug. Great to have them on board. Uh, Assiniboy Downs, we will get to our picks at the end of the program today. Uh, I did not have a good night last night. I certainly didn't start it off the way I did last Monday. We'll get Remus's take on what he's got going on. But, of course, live racing is back tonight and tomorrow as we continue the season at Assiniboia Downs. You can bet at home using the hpibet.com app, but you can also get some friends down. Show your Vax card, and you're in on the main level, 50% capacity only, uh, but plenty of room for everyone to check out the live racing in Assiniboia Downs. Of course, 9 to noon or 9 to midnight, VLTs are open every day, as well as the Terrace Dining Room. Incredible place to go for a great meal and watch some live racing. But you do need to have reservations. You can find out more on all that at asdowns.com. And let's do a quick golf report for our friends at Breezy Bend. By the way, Breezy members, people around Breezy, great pro shop sale going on right now up until the weekend. You can find out more at breezybend.ca on that. A lot of buy one, get one offers right now with the guys at the pro shop. Great time to maybe stock up for next season or, oh God, just thinking about it, potentially a winter golf getaway. Wouldn't that be great? Um, but man, we've got some great news on golf. We all, hey, regular listeners know that I am a lifelong member of Team Tony, Tony Finau, the ups and downs, the heartbreaks, the lost playoffs. You finally got one yesterday, folks. They uh, moved the Northern Trust open to the Monday afternoon. John Rahm looked to be running away from it. Tony went four under over a three-hole span to get up to 20 under. And Aussie Cam Smith had a couple late birdies on 16 and 17 to go to a playoff between Finau and Smith. John Rom finished in third, and then the Aussie putting it OB with his drive on the first playoff hole really made it a layup for Tony Finau, and it's been amazing seeing the outpouring of support for Tony, one of the truly great guys in all of sports. Uh, if you weren't smiling for Tony, check your pulse, and take that from me as a guy that had a 51 ticket on Cam Smith. Even with that sort of devastating way to lose, I have to admit, I was still cheering for Tony. So some great stuff on social media for him. The persistence, the dedication that a guy like that has. 
Um, he is um, ah, he's a fan favorite for a reason. A great win for Tony Fino. He's now first in the FedEx Cup standings. And funny enough, uh, they'll go to the BMW on the weekend. Featured groups, Fino, Rom, and Cam Smith playing together. They were paired yesterday in threesomes because of that final round. They're top three in the standings, and they'll go together. So uh, it'll be familiar company for those guys when they tee off the BMW beginning on Thursday. At the end of this tournament, the final top 30 will go to East Lake for the Tour Championship and that, what, $15 million prize uh, for number one. And uh, Tony right now in the driver's seat after winning the Northern Trust. Uh, we'll also get to our cool bet lines a little bit later on. Uh, but let's get Michael Remus back in here. Uh, man, that was a lot of fun talking to Jamie. Just before we get back to the Jet stuff, I mean, have you ever heard any... Uh, the more I wrap my head around this, like combining cryptocurrency with fantasy football in a high-stakes league that is far beyond my means, but I will say this, I'm incredibly interested in it, especially considering that our buddy Dustin Nielsen has literally been hired to GM one of the teams in the league. But I think we've got Jamie back. He's sounding good. He's looking like a million U.S. tax-free. Uh, let's get to the tight ends. Kelsey, Kittle, Waller. Yeah. Um, put it this way. Do you consider those three, first of all, in a tier? And after that, um, how significant is the drop-off in your mind? Uh, pretty significant. Huss. Like I mean, you you used your first-round pick in uh, the What Would Taco Do League draft coming up on on Travis Kelsey, and that's it's a wise play, especially at 12th overall. Yeah, Waller and Kittle are all, all alone by themselves uh, with Kelsey in that top tier. You, you, the second tier, there there's it's quality, but there's a lot of question marks coming into it, where those other three are not. There's no questions following those guys at all. Mark Andrews from the, the Baltimore Ravens is kind of that number four guy, the top guy that's in the, in the second tier. And that just, to me, there's always concern because of how much Lamar Jackson runs the football. Ordinarily, Andrews would be that kind of go-to guy in the red zone, but that's Lamar Jackson zone as well. But still, top guy in tier number two. Pitts is an unbelievable athlete and probably the best tight end prospect coming out of college football we've seen in, in quite some time. But where I, where I, if, if this was last year's Atlanta Falcons who, who trailed all the time and threw the football 99% of the time, I'd probably be a little bit higher on them. But with the new coaching staff this year, that kind of seems more set on running the football um, and a change of a new offense. It's going to, and rookie tight ends traditionally take time to adapt to the National Football League. So he, he's still in tier two, but he's kind of like you put him between five and seven, you'd be okay. Now, TJ Hawkinson, if Jared Goff, wasn't the quarterback in Detroit and it was still Matthew Stafford. I TJ Hawkinson would be my top guy in the top of the, of the second tier, um, but still question marks there with Goff, and, but still one of that, a good option at tight end for you in the top 10. And then Noah Fant uh, from the Denver Broncos, whoever the quarterback's going to be there right now, I think is a good option. So there's, there's three guys in the top tier and then four guys sitting in tier number two, in my opinion. You know, we've got a lot of NFC North fans in here. Uh, Mitch mm. is asking your thoughts on Irv Smith Jr. All throwing Robert Tanyan from the Packers as well. Um, bottom line is if Aaron Rodgers is throwing the football and they haven't had any massive additions at receiver, mm-hmm. you would think that just the opportunity for a guy like Tanyan would make him a potentially high upside player. Yeah, and Tanyan goes like in that third tier, and I think at the top of that third tier, just because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Now, if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, Robert Tanyan's value along with everybody else, except maybe Devontae Adams just goes out the window. So it, uh, he's good there. You know, you look at Irv Smith, 
Kirk Cousins is an incredibly accurate quarterback. Just, but our good friend Arash Madani would say, just not that, not not reliable with Kirk Cousins. You never know what you're going to get week to week. So I have Irv Smith outside of my top ten, maybe 13, 14 on the list of of tight ends. Uh, and then you know what? You know who's raised value or a, a veteran quarterback that has raised the value of a tight end in Logan Thomas? Oh, I knew you were going to go there. And yeah. I would I was gonna not mention him and then I realized, yeah. well, I already got Kelsey in the pool, so I'm not really yeah. in the Logan Thomas market, but in all the other drafts, if I don't get those guys early, that's yes. the guy that I want to get because I really do believe in fits. And I'll be honest, we went on this on the lock shop yesterday. My maybe favorite bet of the entire season from a wagering standpoint mm-hmm. is Washington to win the NFC East at three to one and Washington make the playoffs at plus one seventy. I think their yeah. defense is elite. They've got a great coaching staff. They've got some really excellent skill position players in McLaurin and mm. Antonio Gibson. They just needed some con- some consistent quarterback play. And I'll tell you what, Heineke showed a lot in the playoffs last year. You put that in with a veteran like uh, like Fitzmagic, yeah. I think they're in a great position. And no, not a lot of people talking about them, but I like them to win that division and have a strong season. And that's good news for a guy like Logan Thomas. Yeah, he, he's kind of rocketing up the charts as, as the train as training camp rolls on here. And people's, and you know, I don't know why people had any doubts about things and the offense in Washington improving with the addition of Fitch Magic. You just look at what Miami turned out week after week offensively from a fantasy perspective with with the big the the, the beard in there. Um, you like Mike Kosicki's value drops significantly after Fitzmagic is out of the lineup and, and leaves this year. And, and even though Gasicki is in my tier three, he's kind of lower end because you, there's there's new weapons there with Jalen Waddle. I know Waddle's a little banged up right now, but with Tua there, you're still kind of figuring out the offense, trying to be a little bit more patient. The Dolphins' offensive line is is still a work in progress. Um, so I, I have questions about that. So Logan Thomas is clear hands down top of the list and tier number three. So if you get him along with, with Travis Kelsey, uh, you are laughing all the way to some good places in, in the fantasy playoffs. I'm not going to say a fantasy championship because there's so many other pieces that have to go there, but at a very scarce position, if you have Logan Thomas and Travis Kelsey, somebody else isn't doing their homework. Well, and, and you know what I mean? Listen, you may have to get a guy like that. I mean, I probably won't do it because I'll have so many other needs elsewhere, but mm. you know, there is a time I was in a draft earlier this week that's pretty quarterback heavy. I had Mahomes as a keeper. I actually considered at a spot taking Josh Allen before I had starters in another position. Yeah. Just because I knew once things gets going, you know, people will will be looking to deal. And that's just part of the fun of the game. You got to know your owners and how active people are and what sort of opportunity there will be. Before we go, Dallas is asking about the Cowboys. I'm going to mm-hmm. put it to you twofold because they're a very interesting team. Give me your fantasy outlook for the Dallas Cowboys and then take fantasy out of it. How competitive do you think this team will be this year? Okay, so from a fantasy perspective, all you got to do is look at last year and the mess that was the Dallas Cowboys. And I think, you know, we talked about Andrew Kopp having a perfect situation play into a good contract or an opportunity, a good contract. I think you saw Dak Prescott's value showing over and over again the thousand times to Jerry Jones. who took way too long to ink his quarterback to that to that to that contract that he has and now he's had to pay him what he's had to pay him so zach or sorry zach dak prescott was on pace to throw for over seven thousand yards last year that's how that's how much he was lighting things up in terms of a fantasy perspective we all know he wouldn't have got to seven thousand yards but it sure would have been fun to see what would have turned out with the dallas cowboys their offensive line is not as banged up last year there's a lot of improvement 
Ezekiel Elliott has a lot to improve. So I still think Ezekiel Elliott's top five back uh, in, in, in that position. Uh, C.D. Lamb, to me, is Dallas's number one receiver from a fantasy perspective. I know Amari Cooper sitting there, uh, Gallup sitting there. I think Michael Gallup will be gone after this year. There's just too much, not enough money going around for the Dallas Cowboys to keep Gallup. So he'll be, he's essentially in a contract year. So from a fantasy perspective, just run out and get Cowboys. Like uh, outside of Dalton Schultz, I don't, I just don't think he's going to fit in from that at the tight end position for numbers that you want from that, from there. But man, CD Lamb, holy cow, run up, run up to the podium, get him somehow. Uh, he's going to be your number one guy for the Dallas Cowboys here. And for are the you Dallas buying Cowboys, Zeke too? Buying uh, Zeke too? I'm, I'm on Zeke. Like I've Zeke, hundred percent, first round, fifth overall pick. I think you know, I know he killed a lot of guys last year, but we all know, like that the offensive line, yeah. Dak's off. Like you can't blame him for what happened a year ago. And I, I love how people are saying he's lost a step. Like. Let's let's just slow down here and see what when you have an offensive line that can open things up for you, then it changes the whole narrative and that whole situation. So I love how a guy as young as Zeke is, he's getting criticized for losing a step. But <laughs> and when there's guys in the backfield, everybody's slow. The period. That's just the way the yeah. way things in real life. Uh, Dallas and from in the NFC East, like Eagles to me, still a mess. The Giants are on their way up, so I think Dallas is is good for second spot in the NFC East. No, it'll be some good stuff. Jamie, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I could talk Jets for hours with you, yeah. and I could definitely talk fantasy for hours with you. Yeah. As soon as that text come in, comes in with the second pick in the expansion yeah. draft, I'll be ready with my next selection. Kelsey, we've already been on the phone with him. He's very, very <laughs> pleased to be joining He Hate Me for the upcoming season, and uh, we'll look forward. It's going to be a real fun year, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Can't wait for Jets training camp, and uh, can't yeah. wait for week one. I hope we all get to hang out together. Like finally, instead of being like separated here by uh, everything. And <laughs> I might be able to put hey. my arm around you finally, buddy. Hey, I've got my shots. I've done my part. I'll be at the building. Guarantee you. And I will see you soon. My friend. Double backs, buddy. Double backs. <laughs> Thanks dude. No Take problem. it easy. There's Jamie Thomas. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jamie Thomas TV. Of course, we know him most as uh, along with Paul Edmonds as part of jets TV and all the great coverage they do following the team. Uh, and who knew? He was such a wealth of information when it comes to fantasy football. That was a heck of a lot of fun. Hopefully you got a little bit of uh, extra juice for your draft coming up. And I, we will get the other half of the UFF team. Uh, it's been too long since Andy McNamara has been on the program. So we'll try and get Andy at some point later on this week or early next week before everyone makes their selections. Remo, are you, are, are you more fired up for fantasy season, even though you've become a DFS guy after listening to Jamie? Yeah, I actually got invited to uh what a survivor league I did get invited to, but um Ooh. yeah, I, that. I'm fired up. Um it's just standard su- survivor, you pick a team to win. Oh, okay, not, not like fan, not fantasy. Team. I mean there's the a worst, lot of pool- worst team every every week gets booted like yeah, the eliminator. I, uh no, no, it's just like regular pick, you know, your survivor pick 'em pick 'em pool, but uh as far as, yeah, season long, I guess I'm fired up for it, sure. I mean, I'm looking at everyone tweeting, oh, James Robinson is now an RB12. He's really shooting up <laughs> after the uh, Etienne injury, which happened at the start of the show. But, yeah, it is uh, draft season. I know Labor Day is always uh, around there. It's a big week for drafts. People are doing drafts now. Um, you know, so we do try to be, uh, you know, we're both big fantasy guys. So we do like to provide that information for everyone out there. Everyone's talking about it right now. And, you know, honestly, even if you aren't in a league, I mean, this all pertains to your teams and, you know, who you're looking for to do well coming up in the season and all of that. 
You know, I've been thinking a lot about how we could do a pool with people from Winnipeg Sports Same. for the upcoming season. And you know what? Now that I think of it, the survivor pool might be the way to do it. Like, I think that's the simplest, easiest thing that we could do. We'll do a little bit of research and see if we could set yeah. that up relatively easily and get people, everyone throw in 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever. And, and, uh, and then, you know, just pick a team to win. Once you pick them, you can't pick them again. And uh, once your team is out, you're out, and the last man standing gets the loot. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a way to. I know we do have people are asking, but like we want to get as many people in as possible. I mean, if we did like a 12 or 14, even 16 team league for what the 200 people who watch live and you know thousands uh, who listen, I don't think anyone is really. I mean, yeah, maybe if we made like the WST league like a thing. But we want to have people involved. That's why I like um, the daily fantasy because there's no yeah. there's no commitment. We can have as many people as we want in each week, and uh, you know that's been going with the CFL. And we did have CFL weeks one, two, and three. The week four contest is out. Um, go to your leagues page on DraftKings, um, and it'll it'll show up there in the Winnipeg Sports Talk League. So I think the I think as terms of getting as many people involved, I think daily fantasy is the way to go. But a lot of people like you know season long leagues with their buddies or you know whoever whoever else. But as far as I think running a mass season long, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, it's, that's it's, our it's, play. It's just t- it's it, it's just tough to do, and that's why I think a survivor. I mean, the survivor. There's no limit to how many people are in it. Mm-hmm. It's about as e- I mean, you don't have to be a fantasy player. You're literally. I think the Buccaneers are going to win this weekend. Yeah. That's my pick, and you know we go from there. And, and of course, as you mentioned, we will do. And this is the great thing. I mean, we can expand the contest if we're feeling really early. NFL has always been the most popular when it comes to the daily fantasy DraftKings. And mm-hmm. shout out to everyone that's been playing with us in the CFL pool. I just got in. I didn't realize that it was already listed right yeah. now. So we're you got twenty time. out of forty. Get in on that. That many? We'll probably be e- we'll probably easily be able to do fifty person contests for NFL easily uh, right out of the gate. Uh, but as I said, we will work on that. I'd love to do a survivor pool. I've been in a couple. Uh, but that would be something we'd be talking about every week coming out of Monday's action. Who is still alive? Who got screwed on the big upset of the week and whatnot? Um, so there'll be certainly be something that we can uh, we can do going forward. Um, we, we we should get to the picks beforehand. Um, we do have, I guess we've got uh, some more Canada women's hockey coming up tonight. Looking to go 3-0, and taking on the Swiss this evening. And uh, I guess while we're on the air right now, I haven't been paying attention to the tube, but I guess Team USA on right now. And uh, we're all assuming that it'll be a collision course at the end, but uh, it's really been interesting to see both USA and Canada so many different players on these teams, Remo, since we've last seen them play. And uh, I've been really impressed with the entertainment value of these games so far. Yeah, USA and um, IHF of Russia, I guess you can't call them. The Russia. Rock. You can't call them Russia. Yeah, ROC, which is Russian the Olympic Committee. So they what are a done. joke that is, by the way. Can we, like, if it's... you're going to ban them all for cheating, why you can't just let them come in and just say, well, we're just going to call them something different. It's sort of. The punishment sort of loses a little bit uh, once you get to that point. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's like, yeah, they're, we're not going to call them Russia. We're going to call them the artist formerly known as Russia. Huh, guys? You, you'll never figure this one out. But yeah, USA's up 3 nothing. So uh, I, I'm waiting for, the, you know, the women's, I'm waiting for the Canada-US collision course, as you said. 
and that is something we'll uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on. But Canada is in action tonight, five o'clock, nice game time against um, Switzerland. So uh, we'll tune in, be tuning in for that. Uh, excellent. Do you have uh, Do you have your selections ready for I this do. evening at Assiniboia Downs, Michael Remus? I do, and well, I didn't win last night. I was not a winner. I did all Quinellas, and um, oh, I'm messaging with Schickster. He wants to invite into our DraftKings pool. I did all Quinellas last night, so that means you have to pick uh, horse one and two. You know, rate, one and two finishers can be any order. Well, I, in each of my picks, I had three bets. I was able to pick the winner. But I did not get the second place winner uh, correctly, so I was very, was very tilted after that. You know, <laughs> it's hard enough to pick. You know, it's, it's hard. So, one sec. Um, hold on. Let's see. Uh, I'm getting texts. All right. Uh, let me go to my picks here. Race two. Let's go. Race two. This is a. Oh, I gotta put the stupid thing up. Hold on. And let's do this. There we go. People need to see the card here on the screen. Yes, they do. They need to see the card. So, uh, race two, I'm picking horse four to win. That's a bit of a long shot. Uh, Silverado Kid. That is a $4 bet. And race four, I'm going with the Triactor Box. Us. That's how you won big. I'm going to try to win big here, too. Uh, horses three, four, and six. That's cut to order. A Bacoli and Commander McDivitt. And I also have race six. I am picking a Quinella. Going back to the Quinellas. Horse four, six. Really lucky. Crimson Bow. Trying to get really lucky here. And uh, race seven. Uh, two, one Quinella. Cyclone Dan and Man of Blues. Those are, those are my picks. All right. I am going uh, in race number one. I'm just going to take number one to win. We need VLTs, please. Every time I see that name i crack up and it's actually been pretty good finished second in this last race i think it was part of it. weird it is the favorite in this one we'll put a little sprinkle on number one in two we're gonna go with the two five quinella true scout and who wants a cold one in race number three we are doing a three four quinella here city kitty and gold diggin' darlin Moving on to race number one, we're going to bang out another Quinella. We're going with the number one horse, Rascal Candy, and the number seven horse, Button Mushroom. And then we're going to do a $1 tractor box in race number five. We are going with race uh, horse two, Wits Data Link. Three, Wit Nine. The Wit horses always seems to be in the mix. So I'm going to go with two of those and then put them together with number six, Sharp Contrast for a two three six tractor box you can uh, play along with us at hpibet.com or and you can of course see the the interface right on the screen if you're watching with us on youtube and otherwise get ready the guys do a great job on youtube as well sometimes i'll make my picks in the afternoon come back and then watch the races as if they are live on YouTube. And shout out to Kirk and Stretch for uh, the great job they do, picking some winners and giving us some tips every night at ASD Live in and around 6.30 p.m. Um, okay, great stuff. Remo, before we go, you know, we hit a bunch of the other kind of top stories. The one thing we didn't talk about, which we did quite extensively yesterday, was the Toronto Blue Jays. And, you know, we had a great chat about a real disappointing week for the Jays with Andrew Stoughton. And talked about how important it was for the Blue Jays to try to salvage something in this series against the 
the leading White Sox in the AL Central before they, you know, get the Tigers again and the Baltimore Orioles. And, you know, again, the bats have been somewhat quiet, but a big hit on a 3-0 count for Vlad Guerrero got a run in. They end up putting another one in. They don't waste a strong starting performance by Alec Manoa and get a win. And I know Blue Jays fans still know there's a long ways to go, especially with everybody else winning, Mariners, Red Sox, Yankees. Uh, but that could be a win that, you know, kind of helps them get a little bit of forward momentum after a really disappointing week against some lesser competition. Oh, yeah. We were talking about it yesterday. I mean, you played the Tigers. You played the Nationals. you got to beat those teams. Uh, they played against a tough test yesterday. Lance Lynn, very good pitcher. Chicago, um, very good team. So uh, that was a big win. And I think you can rebound. You do have games coming up against the Orioles. Thankfully, you're in their division, and they are putting in a, a historically bad season. So I, I liked Andrew Stoughton's optimism. He's like, look, this is definitely a low point, but it's not over. But uh, there is definitely uh, definitely a race. And I'm, you know, I've Seattle, I rock their hats uh, every stream, basically. And uh, they've been great in these tight games. And I know the Jets, not the Jets, the Jays uh, in these, uh, you know, tight games, it hasn't gone well for them. So uh, they're looking to get back at it six o'clock uh, tonight. I can pull up the standings here if you like us and we can just take a look yes yeah, four, four and a half back four and a half out of uh of it and a big win for your mariners last night Reem. yeah oh yes yes uh definitely huge comeback win in the ninth inning over the a's so uh there they are they're three back but i mean i, I look at run differential you can really tell a lot about a team minus 60 run differential and i saw some stats about how well they've been hitting in higher leverage spots hmm. it's been very very good. I've been saying, ah, this isn't sustainable. I don't buy it, but who cares if it's sustainable or not? You've got, a, you know, six, five, six weeks left of season, and this is why people think the Jays are going to be able to uh, make a run. Their run differential is like is, um, is like fourth best in the AL at a plus 117. So, you know, odds are they are going to rebound and put a big string together, but you can't be dropping games against the Tigers and the Nationals. Well, yeah, and I mean, those two extra inning games against the Tigers, I mean, the, the difference between winning and losing is so tight. And unfortunately, the Jays have blown a lot of teams out, uh, but the bullpen's been a problem. They've lost a lot of those close games. Um, so yeah, Jays tonight. Another thing happening tonight, if you're looking to get outside and take in a sporting event, we got a doubleheader with the Jays, with the Gold Eyes, as well as Valor FC is back looking to go two in a row. Valor had that great start. Then they struggled. I think lost four in a row or so. I uh, got a big win on the road last week. And by the way, shout out to the Valor Army. I saw a number of the photos from the game, I believe in Ottawa. And there was a great contingent of Valor fans repping the colors and supporting the squad. So that was really cool to see. Uh, 6 p.m. tonight. I believe they're taking on FC Edmonton. That is at IG Field. And of course, like all the other events, if you've uh, got your card and got a ticket, you are good to go. So good luck to Rob Gale and Valor FC coming up tonight. Um, a couple of other things, funny things that we'll finish up the uh, the story with. You saw the lobsters in the Stanley Cup room. You know, we've seen poutine. We've seen the Saltwater Taffy. I'm not sure who it was that was out on the Maritimes that was um, hosting the party. But I will say the lobster Stanley Cup bake was um, one of the more high-end serving dishes that we've seen for uh, for the nautical delight. Here it is, Keeper of the Cup, tweeting out, of course a party in the Maritimes can't be without lobster. And, uh, I mean, you get your lobster bib out, that's, that's interesting. I don't know if they're, like, boiling them in there, Huss. I don't know if you can put, like, an element and boil water 
in the cup and throw the lobsters in, but sure, toss them in there. Good photo opportunity. More or less appetizing than the poutine? I'm not sure. I thought the poutine was kind of... It was it was kind of excessive. I mean, it's too much is, gravy. So much gravy. It, it was like fry. Like a, it was like fry soup or like a <laughs> cereal with uh, gravy as the milk and fries as the uh, as the cereal. So uh, I think I, I'm more into this one. Uh, this one looks actually not bad. Now, um, a couple of other things. Happy 76th birthday to Vince McMahon. Is that right? Yes. Vinnie Mac, yes. 76 years old. It, he still looks pretty incredible for 76, although uh, he's not quite he's not quite able to, you know, go and fight Stone Cold or anything like that. Some of the crazy things that he did in the past. He's got a lot of work to do right now with his WWE. I think the wrestling fans in the in the chat will certainly know that. Um, now, let's, can we get to this fake news that is being perpetrated? I said to Scott Billick, who I have great respect for as a journalist and has done a great job on the Jets and the COVID thing. I said to Scott today on Twitter, Stop retweeting dangerous misinformation like the report that eating one hot dog takes 35 minutes off of your life. Remus, this is the score to scare tactics in the media that turns people off of the MSM. Yeah, I tweeted this out on Friday and I was like, oh, well, I'm in trouble, but it's been getting picked up going around uh, eating one hot dog 35 minutes off of your life. Fake news, everybody. Someone did the math about like how many hot dogs you'd have to eat to take off a year, and it was it was a it was a lot. So I was like, like you know what? what? Maybe you... I'm safer than I thought. What did Joey Chestnut say when he saw this report? Well, like, have we had? Has there been comment from Joey Chestnut on this alleged report? I saw Joey Chestnut was trending on Twitter <laughs> today. I th- That's I'm assuming. Why. This is why. Hold on, let me pull it up. I did see a video of him drinking a, like a gallon of Gatorade. Oh, but. that was amazing. He took that thing down in about eight or nine seconds. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. I guess the comment is, the popular joke on this one is, well, I guess if this was true, Joey Chestnut would have died a long a long time ago. I think a lot of people are saying, well, what about Joey Chestnut? So uh, that's probably why he's Maybe He's this trending. is the reason that Kobayashi pulled a Barry Sanders and walked away from the uh, competitive eating circuit so early with so much potential for the rest of his career. That's actually yeah. not true. It was a contract dispute with the overlords of Major League Eating. But yes, the uh, the fake news hot dog report. I'm going to have a hot dog in uh, to go against this today and prove that. Uh, you know what? If there's If I live 35 less minutes... It'll probably be worth it for a heck of a great, a great dog. Um, Spider-Man trailers trending, Remus. I actually saw this. Um, and I will admit, I've seen none of the Spider-Man movies. Uh, I'm familiar with the tale of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. But I did watch this trailer. Are they basically just getting a do-over? Like, no one knows who he is, and they're just I, starting this over again? Or what? I I just saw the, the trailer was trending, and uh, I know a lot of people are hyped up. I haven't seen like any Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, like going back to Iron Man two. I remember the first spy. See, I remember the first Spider Man movie in two thousand two with Toby B- Toby McGuire, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I went like first weekend. I saw the other ones. The third one uh, with him sucked. And then I guess because they wanted to keep the rights to make more movies, they had to come up with like another trilogy of Spider Mans a couple uh-huh. years later. And I never saw those. And I guess they're doing even more Spider-Man movies. And it's like, who asked for this many Spider-Man movies? But apparently people, you put it out, people are going to go. But it was trending. People are hyped up. I don't know anything about it. I figured maybe people in chat uh, would be interested. So 
I didn't. Wa- I didn't even watch it, but uh, it, it was people are geeked about the Spider Man movie. I just don't think that we need. I'm. I would. I'm fine with the uh, 2002 version. I thought it was great. Uh, Taylor has informed us that they're all from different multiverses, and she did it in all caps. So yeah. I think that was uh, that was an authoritative statement to one of the queens uh, of WST and Kabilis. <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff's just talking about how hard it is to live with a vegetarian. His wife thinks he's a savage with his meat eating. Don't show her that hot dog. That the report, Jeff. Keep that. Keep that out of your wife's yeah. feed. He might be a uh, handlong here. Remo coming on with the Spider-Man hate. Who I, knew? I, well, I don't have Spider-Man hate. I just like, I don't know. Uh, and then MC Stuttering Buddha says, we found the two guys who aren't interested in the MCU. And <laughs> usually I, w- I used to be like so down. I don't know. I just don't have like the time and all the movies are the same. Like I don't, it's I don't need to see it. It's just all out of my, I have never seen any of them. Uh, and yeah. it, I mean, it's it's not unique to MCU. It's just M movies. I haven't watched <laughs> almost any of them. And it, it's funny. I was on 960 with the guys and we were kind of talking off air. And I said, no, I haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. I ended up getting shamed big time on the station. And then some people at the Bomber game last Friday were listening in Calgary, confronted me on this. And I had to admit to never seeing Goodwill Hunting, Shawshank Redemption, oh, I, I a number haven't seen of the those. classics, a number of the classics, and they looked at me like I was. I lo- so I love maybe. It. Yeah, I was gonna say I love saying I haven't seen movies. Uh, Slapshot. I love telling people I never saw Slapshot. That's embarrassing. That's, I will say <laughs> that's, that's the one. Almost. And now I like, just did you did you move to Canada at 27, 28? I mean, uh, how, was, how did that happen? I Especially was, such a hockey guy. Growing up, I was always really ageist. Uh, my dad would take me to like Rogers video and go through the videos and I'd be like, ah, oh, that movie's old. I don't want to, I don't want to see that. And now it's just like keeping up with the, I just like telling people I haven't seen it. So then and, and you get such a good reaction. Now I'm like, I don't want to see it. Cause then, then I don't have a thing. And like, uh, there's other, you know, good movies that, uh, like gladiator I never saw and some other, some other top ones. It's fun to tell people you haven't seen them. All right. We got to get this pod up for everyone for their drive home. But the final story today and this is maybe one of the best slash funniest things I have heard in a long, long time. But longtime NBA star J.R. Smith. Yeah, J.R., remember the Cavs, LeBron, the who, what the hell, you know, kind of sleeping. Uh, a guy that um, spent a week after winning the championship without a shirt on and I think liked to smoke his fair share of blunts. He's retired now. And is going back to school. This should be a reality show on its own. J.R. Smith back to school. But J.R. is enrolled at North Carolina A&T to finish his college degree. That in itself isn't that noteworthy, Reem. What is, though, is that the NCAA has officially cleared J.R. Smith to play golf at North Carolina A&T. So I am imagining next year... The college golf team, you know, probably a 19, 20, 21 year old and longtime NBA star and NBA champion J.R. Smith hitting the links representing their school. This needs to have a reality show. Yes, 100 percent. And I wonder if we'll see more of this has because like uh, they got rid of the uh, name and likeness rules where you can earn money. And so I guess eligibility, everyone's eligible now isn't isn't that how it works so i think that's that's pretty cool to be honest good for him 
Well, you know, it really is neat. And like I said, I've been a fan of JR. He's a hilarious character and has been involved in some very funny situations, sometimes maybe not so funny to JR. Uh, but I am infinitely more interested in, in the North Carolina A&T golf season coming up with J.R. Smith. Listen, it's been a great show today. Thanks to Derek Taylor. Thanks to Jamie Thomas for coming on. And again, thanks to everyone that's with us. If you are still with us, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. If you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button. Thanks to everyone listening on podcast. Rate and review if you can. Throw a five-star rating in and a little comment for the guys. That always helps out as well. And of course, our sponsors, Canadian Club, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and Cool Bet Canada. Uh, oh, the one thing I didn't do, I should just on the way out, quick update on those Cool Bet lines. Jays tonight, minus 119, slight favorites over the White Sox. And since we spoke yesterday, not a lot of movement right now in the Canadian Football League odds. Hamilton at Montreal, Alouettes, it, it basically, that's a straight-up pick em. right now. BC, minus one-and-a-half point favorites at Ottawa. And the Bombers still five-and-a-half point favorites over Calgary, although that over-under has gone up a point. It opened at 41-and-a-half. It's now at 42-and-a-half. Again, you can use promo code WST at CoolBet for a 100% deposit up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Uh, a great thing to do if you want to get ready to, to put some sprinkles down for NFL season. Uh, all right, for Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks for being with us, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 